Options Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dialogue Options Podcast with your ever faithful hosts, Joel McDonald, that is me, and as always, my very, very good friend and co-host, Mr. Kyron Morrison. How are you doing good, sir? Joel, I am quite cold, but otherwise quite good. Yes, yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, I'm very tired. I spent my morning at Centrelink this morning, which, you know, fun. Wasn't as awful as it could have been, so that's, that's you, know, right. you know what, Joel? Anytime you go into Centrelink and it's not a complete disaster, it's, I mean, it's a low bar to clear, but that's a win, really. We, we were out within like an hour and 15 minutes, so that was, you know... I guess I mean, I, in Stanley terms, that's pretty reasonable, I suppose. Yeah, like, I can't complain about that, which is, it's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I just, yeah, I'm on the, the precipice. This is my one day off this week, basically. Good God. The next, Good God. The next seven days, um, I've got work on every day. So, school holidays, fun times, working in an arcade. Man, uh, I'm working in retail, in a toy sale, I hear you. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just a nightmare, but... Running amok. <laughs> the, I mean, I, the, I, if you want to put a positive spin on it, at least the shifts go quick. That is true. There's never like, a slow day. Yeah, so... Uh, unless I'm working night shifts, and the nights will be where it's quiet, because our venue becomes over 18s at 8 o'clock, so... <laughs> um, it just becomes a ghost town, like last night. Uh, I ended up finishing two hours early, so... Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, apart from that, what else has been going on, Kyron? Ah, uh, look, not a lot, honestly. We are still... We're in that, that post-E3 slump. It's been nice sleeping a bit more properly, which has been good. Mm-hmm. None of these, like, waking up at 5am to watch a press conference. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like, honestly, as I said, big toy sale at, at, at my work, place of work this week, and school holidays have started, so really, I am just being tired... <laughs> Yep, no, no, spent, no, I definitely feel you. Spent most of this week consuming a ridiculous amount of speedruns on GDQ. Oh, yes, very successful Fantastic one this year, event, I believe. Yeah. Three million mm. US raised. It's uh, insane. Like, the last the last 30 minutes is just ridiculous. I almost implore everyone to go and watch it when the archive goes up. It'll be in the Chrono Trigger speedrun. Because okay. they're doing all this, they're doing this last boss fight, but I was just... I've, I and most of chat, and I assume everyone who was there, were just watching the counter on the small bottom right corner as it was oh. just climbing to 3 million. It was insane. Uh, that, 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 uh, those events just go from strength to strength. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a new record, so... Yeah. They've been, uh, their turnaround time with like uploading stuff on YouTube has been really quick this year, too. Yes, there's a couple of runs that are... Again, depending... When people watch speedruns, they enjoy different sorts of speedruns. I myself don't mind the stupid, funny ones. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if I could recommend a few of them, there's two really funny Pokemon runs. There's a Pokemon Crystal run and a Let's Go Eevee run. They're both oh. about like two or three hours long, but they are pretty funny. I, 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 just, I just enjoy at this. I haven't watched my, any of it, but like I just enjoy looking at, like scrolling through my, my YouTube feed. And just seeing, like, the games and the times that they've got down it's for insane. them. I'm like, what the fuck? Kingdom Hearts 3 in, like, three hours? I was like, okay. Yep. Sure. Yep. Sure, why not? Fucking, what was that? Fire Emblem Fates. In an uh, hour. In an hour. That's another With- one that I recommend watching because it's insane. It's largely... Like, the guy the guy himself, Kirby Master, I think, was the name of a runner. When he's doing it, he mentions at the top of the run that a lot of the missions, if he can, they do it as, like, uh, auto-attack, which obviously makes sense for a speedrun. Yep. But there are a couple of chapters where he has to take control, and it's just amazing him, amazing watching this, this speedrunner, like, take 
take these chapters because it's in conquest which is the harder of the fire emblem fates expansions yep and just finishing them having to like improvise on the fly to to get these done as quickly as possible like it, you just got to think of like the amount of times that he's done that to see the amount of possible outcomes of of enemy turns and stuff like that. Oh it's yeah, just a lot of a lot of RNG, route. a lot of lying on oh. on core and getting good level ups. Like, and there's a there's a marriage proposal in it between two of the characters, and they voice acted out, and it's just the best. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, yeah, that is another one of the speed runs that I would recommend. And it's only an hour, so it's actually a lot a lot quicker to get through than most of them. Yeah, I, I definitely want to try and check some out um, uh, for sure because I, I completely forgot that it was happening until I sort of started my, my yeah, like I said, my YouTube feed just got overrun and I was like, yeah. oh, cool. All SGD, GDQ uh, is on the awesome, cool. See, yeah, because I obviously, I follow GDQ on YouTube and I follow, oh, there's, a, there's a video, there's one of the YouTube accounts I follow is like uh, uploads all the Smash Alt tournament videos and ceo was this weekend so my figure has just been a gdq and smash matches just... oh shit so i've just like closed my youtube for this weekend and i'll get back to it next week <laughs> just like i'll sort through i'll wade through the masses yeah. at, a, at a later date yeah another one i would recommend again it's a bit meatier like the, the pokemon runs there's a legend of zelda link to the past plus super metroid randomizer co-op run that goes for about three hours which is also quite funny Okay. Um, All right. How that one works basically is there's doors in each of the games that go back and forth between each other. Okay. And items from both games spawn randomly in both games. So. Oh right. Okay. Pretty crazy. That's um. I did see that one pop up, and I was like, I wonder how that works. So just imagine like going through in Super Metroid, and you're like, cool, I'm going to pick up the the morph ball, and it's a bow from Link to the Past. (laughs) You've got to jump back (laughs) across the Link to the Past and try and figure out, yeah. It's insane what, like, because those randomizers are crazy enough, but combining two games as a randomizer is insane to me. But they get it. They get it done, and it's impressive. I didn't even think that was possible. And, you know, but then I'm not surprised. Yeah, ROM hacks, really, really people, it, yeah. people go crazy with ROM hacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I'll watch some uh, if uh, eventually when I get, uh, you know, I, I guess it's that time of the podcast where I check in. We, hey, Joel, we have, uh, what's happening with NBN Co.? <laughs> MVN Watch um, 2019. Uh, fuck, I, I tell you what, it's been long enough. It's almost worth doing. It could almost be a segment. It could almost be a fucking segment. Um, and it's a very short segment because I still have no internet. Um, what you yeah. should do, Joel, is make a Twitter account. <laughs> oh, I should. Does Joel have uh, internet yet and just tweet every day? No. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad idea. I'm like, at least I'm going to get, I'm going to try and get some sort of fucking enjoyment out of this. Oh, God godforsaken situation um so the latest update that we had is that apparently there's a blockage between the pit the next pit up the road from us and our pit at the front that apparently they just didn't do when they connected everything um because you know why not uh and so the last uh texts that came out were like we tried like we've got our big long pole thing we tried to push through the cable um, that didn't work, unfortunately, because it, it was the, the hole was either too big or too small. I can't remember. So they've got to get someone else to come out with like a blower to try and blow through it. Oh uh, and then if they can't do that, they've got to retrench the whole thing. Jesus. So, um, yeah, I just am, I, I'm laughing about it now, but on the inside, I'm just like, like eternally screaming. I mean, like, it's. Just the, awful. the only way to really deal with it at this point is to laugh because yeah, 
as someone uh, like back, boy, back before we started this podcast, I endured about of several, several, several months with no internet thanks to one mm-hmm. dodo, mm-hmm. and it was a nightmare. Uh, so if it helps, that I, I can sympathise with what you're going through, and I, I just hope it's resolved soon because it's just the worst. I really hope so too. Because man, I'm missing. I I haven't played the Division Two for like three weeks and it's fucking actually uh, and i'm me. avoiding talking about it to you because it's the end game is quite fun and I, uh, you're gonna get a kick out of it soon, it soon, so anyway. soon it's gonna happen believe anyway i have Send been playing all some... of your positive energy energy yes. to joel please 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 i need all the help i can get, get whatever, even whatever form. oh god just a big internet bomb <laughs> um well not, not an right. bomb. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, yeah that doesn't sound right. Anyway, uh, but considering no internet, I have been playing games. And I know you've been playing games. Uh, and we're quite and behind we... in talking about those games. Exactly. So we've got a bit of a backlog to talk about uh, uh, some stuff. So I think it's uh, it's time for an extra special bumper-sized edition of the Quest Log. Mission completed. Quest Log. For those of you who might be new to our podcast, uh, the Quest Log is, of course, our what we've been playing segment of the show, where we check in on, on all the things that we've been uh, playing and our gaming habits um, and give our impressions here. Uh, and yeah, we've got quite a few this week. So this week's episode is probably going to be just that uh, and, and maybe some questions at the end, but we'll see how we go. Uh, but shall we kick things off with, we've got a couple that... We've got one that we've both played, and then we've got like two separate games that are essentially the same game, but quite different um, by the same company that we've both played as well. Uh, so, should we kick off with um, I like say, the one we've both been playing? I say we start with the freshest. The it's, freshest, it's like, yeah. It's very fresh. Yes, like like as of recording, like three days fresh. Freshly so. picked. <laughs> uh, yeah, Super Mario Maker 2 came out uh, on Friday, uh, the, the last Friday, as of recording. Um, and yeah, we both picked it up. I was telling, on uh, a whim. I was saying, yeah, both of us on a whim. Like I literally woke up Friday morning. I had no intentions of buying it. Like eventually I was going to, but like, same, I, I wasn't, same. yeah, I woke up and I'd seen reviews all week and I woke up and <laughs> I was in bed. And I'm like, I'm going to go buy Super Mario Maker 2. And so I got out of bed, got dressed, drove to, <laughs> drove to the store, picked it up and came home. I'm like, yep, cool. Awesome. Uh, and I'll tell you what, do not regret it. It's great. Yeah, obviously still very early days. I haven't really, like, plunged into the course building too much yet. Likewise, yeah. But uh, what I can say is the story mode is... Uh, it's, it does a much better job of structuring... Because obviously Super Mario Maker 1, it had, I think, a hundred or so built-in courses, but it was kind of bland picking them because they were just on like a menu and you're like, cool, I will do this stage now and then I'll do this stage now and then I'll do this stage now. Like, yeah, yeah. Weaving yeah. in the context of building the castle is just a clever way of keeping, keeping me engaged while I'm just plowing through these Mario levels. Absolutely. Um, and I think it was Tim Geddes when I was watching them talk about it, his early impressions of it anyway. Uh, he was saying about how it's really cool to see those levels actually showcase specific like game mechanics that you could incorporate into your levels when you decide to make them, which I think it's brilliant. So you see them in action and go, cool, I really like that idea for a level. I'm going to try and replicate that and make my own version of that and in that's, my stages. And that's the thing, right? Because 
although it does have all these pre-packed, like, pre-built levels, they aren't, they aren't full traditional Mario levels in that sense. They're more so, oh, no. they're ideas, and just playing through them, you're just like, I could probably do that. I could, yeah. I could make this work. And, yeah, it's just because obviously there's a very in-depth tutorial, like, list as well, where you can sort of go through the basics, go yep. through, like, the intermediate parts of building a stage, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. just sort of flesh it out from there. And and then, like, on top of that, I haven't dived into this either, but, like, on top of that, then you've got, like, content creators out there that are very proficient in making these levels, yes. especially from the first game. Um, yes. <laughs> you can go and follow and play their games, and uh, their levels, and see their ideas, and then take ideas from them and incorporate them into your levels. It's... It is like the epitome of like a community-driven game, and it's so beautiful. It is worth mentioning here, the online is where it gets a bit shakier, because first yeah. of all, it is quite frustrating that if you want to follow a, an, like a, a creator, you have to mm-hmm. enter their maker ID, which is... Uh, come on, Nintendo. Come on. Yeah. We're, we should yeah. be past this. And obviously, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen the videos going around Twitter, Joel, of people trying to play online with people, and it's... It's bad. Mm, It's really bad. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what it's like, because it's got local multiplayer as well, doesn't it? If you've got separate separate copies of the game on Switches, I think it does, yeah. Uh, Okay. I think. Again, I haven't haven't tried. haven't tried, don't know. But all I know is I've been seeing people putting up videos of the online, and it's so laggy. It's, yeah. that, it's that age-old thing, right? Nintendo has these cool, fun ideas because the idea of running through a lot of these fan-made levels co-op is yeah. fun. But their infrastructure isn't there. It's and, really not. And that's the eternally frustrating thing about Nintendo. It's It doesn't feel like they're taking their online seriously yet. And in turn, that makes some of the skeptics out there when it comes to Nintendo in general, like take them less seriously you know what i mean oh yeah like for it's... sure well because here's the thing joel we're i mean it's cheap sure but we are paying for the service now yeah absolutely yeah it's like, you could buy the special edition of mario maker 2 came with a 12 month sub and mm-hmm. that's the online you're getting that's it's pretty terrible yeah. pretty yeah, terrible it's it's not good um but yeah that's about, yeah. honestly those are the main negatives because the rest of the game is really good so far. oh it's it's fantastic and like seeing all the different art styles like booting up a level and being like Especially when you're doing the story mode, you don't know what style it's going to be. You boot it up and you jump, jump in and you're like, oh, cool, we're in, like, Super Mario Brothers. All right, so, awesome. oh, we're in Super just... Mario World. Oh, great, this is 3D Mario World, which I love. I'm surprised at how much I like, yeah, 3D Mario World. It, I, I love the design of all that stuff. Um, I like, the yeah, the character models. And, and I mean, it's got Cat Mario, so... I'm, it does in, have Cat Mario. <laughs> and Cat Mario is the fucking best. I love Cat Mario. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really solid. I'm, I'm going to play through all the story campaign and then I'm going to try and I've made one level, but it was really shit and it was, I, it's not worth sharing or anything. I was just like (laughs) playing around and I was like, cool, I did this thing. Look at all the things I did. That's the only way to create draw is you just sort of play around with ideas and just see what comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, I made Ash play it as well. So I was like, do you want to play my level? She's like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> after a couple of tries she got through it and i'm like yay i did a i did a thing you created a mario stage yeah i did and i think it's just it's such a clever idea like because i mean when was the last mario game that wasn't a mario maker that came out it would have been odyssey 
Honestly, uh, okay, two D like platform, two D platformer, like a new two D platformer. We're not yeah. counting because otherwise it would be deluxe this year. But otherwise, it yeah. Would, yeah, it's Mario New Super Mario Bros. Wii U at launch. I think. Yeah. Has it been so like, like since then? Because then it went, it went three D Land and three D World. Yeah. And Odyssey. So yeah, I guess yeah, Wii U. Yeah. So the fact that this seems to be their way now of like. Well, look, we've done everything we can with this, and obviously, you guys want something fresh. But show us what you got, and, and I, it's brilliant. Again, that's a thing, and that's where you can see it really shining in these pre-built courses because they are still built by Nintendo staff, and yeah, if they're just like bite-sized fun ideas that of all these things that aren't possible in the other two D Mario's, absolutely thrown into this game, and it, yeah, there's a lot of creativity to be found, and a lot of creativity that you can play with yourself when you actually dive into the creation process which is extensive and like yeah like combining stuff like mechanics and ideas from different types of 2d platformer mario games and the different styles yep um obviously like i i I do like the fact that with the restrictions like if you're playing super mario brothers you can't wall jump or anything like that or um, but then if you go into like 3d uh like super mario 3d world you can do the the r like the hover in the air, like a little spin. Yeah, well, because 3D World is it is separate. Yeah. So if you are making a level in that particular template, you have to start fresh because it has a lot of mechanics that, that just don't work in the other ones, which is yeah. why yeah. everyone thought there was going to be another one as well, but nothing yet. Early days, that could change. Yeah, it's definitely gonna, it's definitely coming. Yeah, it, there's it a space like for it. it. Like, there's a space for it. And it makes sense. Like, like Nintendo are very much now, like they've kind of figured out DLC. <laughs> like, Or even just, like, supporting their games. Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. Like, I mean, like, Splatoon was a really good look at that. Uh, and then you've got Smash Brothers as well. Um, Zelda got DLC. Yep. So, and the DLCs are usually, like, worthwhile at, at the very least. Zelda's, the um, first one for Zelda, yeah, it was iffy, but the second one was definitely much more extensive. Yeah, I haven't played either of them, so... The second DLC is quite good. Um, you get a sweet motorbike, and it's fun. <laughs> That's why I want to play it. That's one the motorbike. Um, it's very fun. Have you encountered the car in Mario Maker 2 yet? Not yet. No, I haven't either. I'm looking forward to that, because I remember seeing that in the trailers, and I was like, That's awesome! Yeah, it sounds yeah. incredibly cool. That's 3D world only, isn't it? I think so. It would make sense, because yeah, they're going to no put all the crazy... Ones, yeah. yeah. Um, but so I do it, like... It has, it has its, own, its own physics and stuff on that one as well. Yeah, because it, it's like, it goes quick. Like, it's yeah, real yeah. fast. I do have to say that, and it's, it was a problem in Mario Maker 1, but it, it does take some adapting to playing the original Super Mario Brothers like the the new ones, like the Wii U and stuff. Yeah. Because the physics are slightly different, and it doesn't, yep. it take, my brain has to click with it first. But once I get into that motion, I'm like, all right, we're good. It's just a you bit know- disorienting. You know what? Like, uh, it's it's been weird for me because I don't think I can't even remember the last time I I like sat down and extensively played a two D Mario game. So like getting used to the physics again because I forgot how floaty and slidey <laughs> that 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 Mario that Super Mario Brothers uh, the Super Mario games are. I yeah, was like, when they're two D, yeah, for sure. Yeah, when they're two D, I was like, oh my god, this is especially because I've come off the back of playing a couple of other. Like, I'll, touch on them later but like playing a couple of other 2d side-scrolling platformers that are like pixel perfect you know very precise and like not much float or slide to them um 
a lot of it's, of a lot of the floatiness yeah. and slidiness does come from the new games, like new Super Mario, new Super Mario Brothers Wii and Wii U. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, 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 um, it, it was a, an adjustment period, but it was very short. So, like, I, I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Now I'm back into the swing of things. And then they threw ice blocks at me, and I was like, oh, cool, fuck you. Um, oh, I had my first ice level the other day. Yeah, was it the one with the? The claws? Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. get grabbed by the claws. Yeah. Yep. Oh boy. Yep. Well, that's a good point to bring up as well. Like, that's another thing they've added. I don't know if they were in the first one because I didn't buy the first one. That's another reason why I decided to pick this one up because I didn't get it the first time around. Um, this looks like an even more robust and complete package, which I feel it is. Um, but having like different win conditions. Yeah. So win conditions weren't in the first one. They are a new feature, and they are very people, clever. People got like found ways around. Like yeah, they yeah. made their own way of doing win conditions, but they've just added it as a feature now, which is really cool. Uh, so like it could involve things from like collecting all the red coins or um, collecting a certain amount of keys to access doors. Uh, you can have like multiple endings to levels as well. Yep. Uh, it's it's insane I've how already, much I've already heard of people making Metroidvania-esque stages that are just, oh just big maps and you have to, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's so great. And like, yeah, it's brilliant. Like having everything like super customizable and, 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 you know, adjustable to your style of making courses is brilliant. I think it's, it's one of the most brilliant marketing strategies or like brilliant strategies that Nintendo have implored with one of their mainline franchises. Um, oh yeah. Uh, not, not one of the first ones we'll talk about. It's not the only one we'll talk about this week either, to be honest. Uh, no, it's not. It's, yeah, they're really doing some interesting stuff over there. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to tool away at this. Um, I'm looking forward just to having it. So, like, every now and then, just, like, if I see someone I follow on Twitter going, hey, I made a new course, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll go download that and check it out. Which, honestly, right um, now is a lot of people I follow on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I'm the same. Here's the ID. You're like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. Let's I've been go. screen capping, like, on my phone, all these people. Like, Ian Hink posts one, I'm like, screen cap that. I'll play that later. Yeah, I'll play that one later. Oh, yep, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll check out Ross's even though I'll never finish one. Oh, yep, cool. Spring. And that's you know, the thing, right? I'm sure he takes full advantage of this new objective system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Companion I can't... Spring, why, Ross? <laughs> and that was the thing, like, yeah, like, so yeah, Ross O'Donovan from, like, Game Grumps and, uh, and his own solo efforts and streams and whatnot. But um, that was where I got my enjoyment out of the first Super Mario Maker, was watching people play that game watching poor aaron and dan be tortured yeah that's pretty much it yeah and like i love those series like that, that they did so many episodes and they went back to it so many times but to the point where you you would almost feel like it was gonna get all right they're doing another mario maker episode but every time i saw one pop up i'm like fuck yes let's go this is gonna be entertaining like this is gonna be really fun to watch um and i've already seen a couple of people i really like on twitter as well playing it uh over the weekend um andy cortez from kind of funny had a couple of amazing freakouts um, that he posted on his Twitter account. I don't know if you saw them, Kyra, but if you haven't, I'll have to send them to you later because holy shit, <laughs> there's one, yeah. And I've just seen like people posting random ones as well, like people getting right to the end of a level and just fucking up one tiny little thing and messing up. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, but also hilarious to watch. Um, That's Mario, baby. It is. Uh, any Mario final? now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any other uh, any other comments on uh, on Mario Maker two for now? Uh, the new music from Koji Kondo is perfect. Yeah, true, very true. Those Mario tracks are timeless, and I'm mm-hmm. always humming them. And now I have new ones to hum. Yep, 
Um, and just the way, or, oh, just the way the music play, like when you're in building, in the building process. And this yes. was the thing in Mario Maker One, but as you like are dropping tiles, music is involved. And yep, in the tutorials, like depending what tier you're at, the music is more involved. Oh, it's just the music in this game is very good. It's very, very good. And it's implemented very, very well as well. Every time um, I start a new stage, I'm always humming along to the tune. It's yep. so good. God damn. It's, yeah. I mean, it's timeless. Those songs are timeless now. If you've ever played video games, you know those songs. I think, it, honestly, at a certain point, at least like one-to-one from Super Mario Brothers, like if you haven't played yep. video games, you probably still know that song. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's like a cover of it, like a weird jazz cover or like a dance music cover. You're like, I know this song. Like it's... It's like that in Tetris, the, the Tetris theme song. Yes. It's like people know that off by out. Like, or even you could even argue like the Cantina song from Star Wars as well. Like, it's yes. there's songs that are just ingrained into people's brains because pop culture is so prevalent these days. Um, yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say uh, was the I haven't done all of the tutorial videos, but like very extensive, very very in depth, and very very good. Uh, also has very surprisingly very funny writing like i've actually had a couple of moments where i've like giggled out loud at some of the 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 writing in that which i I did not expect um because you're being your your two hosts for the the tutorial segments of things are a a girl called nina and a pigeon who i'm gonna i can't even remember his name but i thought um, it was yamamura but i could be wrong it will i mean they always pronounce it wrong and he gets very upset every every Um, time and but yeah like the fact that yeah this is this like anthropomorphic pigeon talking to you and telling you how to build uh mario levels and he only um, speaks in coups but you it, it translates for you which is it very translates. nice of them. yeah exactly it's very very considerate of them um i don't speak fluent pigeon myself so it helps <laughs> yeah i only know a word here or there but um it's uh yeah i that was the the, the sort of blew me away jumping into it i was like yeah surprisingly funny it this is, is really good it's a good tutorial honestly if you're, if you're interested in diving into the building i yeah would, i would go through each of those steps yeah uh, and i'm definitely gonna put, set aside some time and actually go through that and um and then like try and make something maybe but i mean the making side of things is always the part where i was always like oh, i don't know if i'm gonna get into it as much but just being able to have like a potentially infinite supply of mario levels to play is that's worth a mission price alone if that if that's what you're into um absolutely just if you're bored you're like ah, i'm just i'm just watching stuff on tv but i'm not really watching it i want to play something while i have stuff on in the background it's good just to jump on and just go all right do even do like a hundred mario a hundred mario like run yeah that randomly pulls a whole bunch of levels you're like all right cool let's just do that see what's or look at the top levels oh i'm gonna play that one today yeah it's I, that is insane yeah like if you, uh, if you have a, a mario itch you can just use this game and boot it up and play through some new stages and it's just good. yes it's good for that if nothing yes else. all right Kyle. shall we move on to the other the other things that we've been playing yes um kind of like same same but different uh and also following mine is old exactly yeah but also following the nintendo trend of like doing things a little bit different and And doing some fun stuff with their ips and the music part yes yeah i mean everything is just sort of wrapping up segues ahoy this week the segues Um, will stop here though (laughs) yeah pretty much yes it's it's a pretty sharp left after this one i think um but uh yeah so you i've been playing cadence of hyrule okay you've been playing crypt of the necrodancer i have in in anticipation of eventually getting around to playing the game that i've been playing which is and I'm going to give the, the oh, I'm going to give the full title here, which oh, is Cadence no. of Hyrule: Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring the Legend of Zelda. That's such a um, mouthful. 
Just call it Cadence of Hyrule, guys. We'll be calling it Cadence of Hyrule now, so from, from now on out. But um, Why have three titles? Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Like, they want to really make it clear that, like, you know, what type of game this is. Because if you hear Crypt of the Necrodancer and you know what that is, you're like, oh, okay, I, I know what type of game this is. Um, which are both games by Brace Yourself Games. Um, and uh, Cadence of Hyrule published by Spike Chunsoft in Japan interestingly enough, which I, I was like, okay, cool. Um, and, and, and by Nintendo pretty much everywhere else. Um, so if you haven't heard of Crypt of the Necronessa, which you, if you've listened to our show for a while, you've probably heard me speak about it because I played a lot of the original. Um, it's a, and this is going to surprise everyone here, it's a roguelike. I um, am shocked. George. I know, right? Me talking about a roguelike? Oh, Unheard golly gee. Of. But you talking about a roguelike is the interesting part, and that's what makes me excited. Yes. Um, but it is a roguelike. But the twist with it is uh, that uh, obviously with a name like Crypt of the Necro Dancer, it's all rhythm based. So it's like moving one square at a time, while there's like a usually a very 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 good uh, soundtrack playing in the background, and you've got to try and move in like the beat of the music so that you can. Um, you know, do damage to some of the enemies around them, uh, around you. And the enemies will also move in different patterns as well. So you've got to try and figure out their attack patterns and how they move. So you can like maneuver yourself to get into a position to attack. Um, I think it's very clever. It's, it's like, if there was ever a game that was like, this is, this is Joel game. Um, this is it. Like it's, yeah. Roguelike elements. It's got a banging soundtrack and it's rhythm based. Um, and I, I fucking, I loved Crypt of the Necrodancer. And um, so maybe we'll start with that. And I want to hear your thoughts on, on Crypt of the Necrodancer. Because when I saw that you, and also a friend of the show, uh, Broderick from um, from Hunting Seasons, also playing it, I was I was very excited to hear how you both were, were going with it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, he's not here right now. But <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Karen. So, um... I mean, starting at the gate, I don't like the roguelike part. <laughs> of course, yep. Not that not doesn't surprise terribly me. Terribly surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like everything else. The gameplay is right. definitely very unique. Moving in beat with the music to time your attacks and having to having to learn the attack patterns of each enemy type as well. Each monster moves and attacks differently. Mm-hmm. So you've got to sort of each time you enter a new stage, like particularly when I went from uh, stage one to stage two which obviously has new tunes, new environment, mm-hmm. and new monsters. I'm like, all right, here we go again. We're going to die a lot just learning how these things move. Thankfully, once you encounter an enemy, you can use a specific part of the game to just practice against that enemy and learn its attack patterns and stuff, which is neat. Yes, I really like that feature. Yeah. It's a really cool idea. Uh, and again, same for the, the bosses. You can, because I barely scraped by my first boss fight, boss fight against the, the, the first area boss uh, and then once you've done it once you can sort of go and practice against that particular boss if you want to just get good at it for next time which is neat right uh but yeah the broke like part is the part where i feel like i <laughs> so many times i'm having a good again this is my same problem with every roguelike and this yeah to be fair this does have some does it have i can never quite tell if it has permanent progression right some yeah like you can unlock like uh, like, you can skip to, like, dungeons and things as well. Like, so you don't have to go from the start and do, like, a full run all over again if you 
I think is it once you clear a once dungeon, you, you once yeah. you clear a dungeon, yeah. So I basically cleared stage one, which was I think three or so floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you die on any one of those floors, you go back to the start. But if you clear yeah. those and the boss and get to the second stage, like you can just start at stage two one and then clear those floors and beat the boss, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, which is which is fine. That's good. Yeah, it, it, it teases you and tantalizes you with these upgrades that you can buy to put into the random chests that cost yes. diamonds. And I just would love to have more than two diamonds at any given chance. Honestly, I would kill yeah. for it. That, that is an issue with, 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 uh, with Crypt of the Necrodancer is that the, the diamond payout is a little bit, um, a little bit sketchy, but, but I get it. Like uh, it's a roguelike and it's it, challenging. It's just, and, yeah. and we can transition very easily into Cadence of Pyrrhal here. Cause when I watched the E3 stage demo in the Treehouse for Cadence and I saw how many diamonds they had, I was like, "This is the game for me. I want yeah. this one." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. If we, we'll, we'll, if you wanted to take that transition, yes, yeah, because, uh, like, um, yeah, like honestly, as much as that's really all I have to really add to the crypt of ne- Necrodancer discussion on my own. Yep, fun mechanics, ha. killer soundtrack. Yeah, I die too much and never get to buy upgrades for my chests to get better blue drops, so I suck. <laughs> you can unlock other characters as well. That yeah, have I did see that. Um, and things. You get yeah. you start as Cadence. I think I you start with the Bard as well, which seems to be the easy mode character. Because I think that means you can move without without the beat being the an beat. Issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is an option in Cadence as well, but it's just like a, an option that you can turn on and off. And that's the thing, right? So with Cadence, what I want to talk about immediately mm-hmm. is that there are those roguelike-ish dungeons, as far yep. as I can tell. But there's also yep. a very cool overworld, and I am here for that. Yeah, so the interesting thing about the overworld is it is random, but only once. Yeah, so when so you like start you the a, game, you get a you random have... spawn for that, and that's your world for that game, right? Which is awesome because it it, it gives you your own experience. Then, like it's yes. your own unique experience. I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, but yes, uh, a quick overview of Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, it is, I guess, the pseudo sequel to Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, it does feature Cadence from Crypt of the Necrodancer, but it is set in the Legend of Zelda universe. Uh, which means you get to play predominantly as Zelda or Link. Um, and also, to add to, you know, the fact that the first, like, Crypto Necronator had an amazing soundtrack, um, this one has the same sort of soundtrack, but it's all remixes and, and re reissues of, like, classic Zelda tunes. And it is brilliant. It is so, 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 so very, very good. Um you probably seen a lot of. You might have seen a lot of reviews kicking around saying it's one of the best. I think it's still at the moment still rated as like the highest Switch game of the year, on like Metacritic or something like that. Um, it's definitely up there, and it, it believe the hype basically. Um, I so was yeah. I was sold the second the Treehouse demo started, and I heard the menu song. Yep, I was like, yep. I need this game, and I need this soundtrack. I I remember that that first direct where they announced it. I'm like. Oh yeah, cool. There's some pretty like cool tunes, and then like the character. I haven't played Crypt of the Necrodancer for a while, and the character. I'm like, she looks familiar, and then she had the the shovel, and I'm like, she looks really familiar. And then like I was like, I saw her move, and I'm like, is this a Crypt of the Necrodancer sequel? And then in the background, it finally dawned on me. I heard like the the lead up to like the like the Zelda theme, and I was like, oh shit, Total Rights do- is an underrated Zelda song. It's yeah. I was like, my god, they're doing a fucking Zelda crossover with Crypt of the Necrodancer. This is brilliant. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think you're really going to enjoy Cadence of Hyrule, Garen, because 
um, a lot of the, the most of the issues that you have with with Crypt of the Necrodancer are sort of alleviated here a little bit. Um, so, like you said, there is that you have your overworld, and that's it. Once you start the game, that's your 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 seed basically. Um, and then, yeah, same combat. You move around the overworld. Uh, if it's a if it's a, a screen that's got enemies on it, it'll go switch to like combat mode. So basically classic uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer where it's like you've got to move to the beat, attack the enemies, all that kind of jazz. Uh, once you clear it, uh, the music turns down a little bit. So it, it, it sort of like, like it softens uh, and the grid disappears and you can move freely around that board. So you can like, uh, so if you clear out all the enemies there, but there's something that you're like, oh, I'm going to explore over in these bushes here and cut them down. Uh, you might find like, you know, a random dungeon uh, you might find an item that you're looking for or anything like that as well. Uh, and then there's chests and all that kind of thing as well. Uh, so that's really cool uh, because exploration is a very big component of this. Um, Which is imp- cool because that's a very good nod to why well, it's a very important part of Legend of Zelda. Yeah, they've taken like th- like equal parts from both games and just merged them together and they work at, like hand in hand. They really do. And, um, yeah, I, I, like, I guess the difficulty is a lot less harder, I guess. It's still difficult, um, because when you do go into dungeons or caves, um, that's the same as, like, uh, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer is that, like, it, it reshuffles every time. So if you die, you go back to the start of that, and it, um, you've got to go through it again, and it'll reshuffle. Um, where that differs a little bit is, like the actual dungeon dungeons, if you want to go by, like, Zelda terminology, uh, where you would have, like, it would culminate in a boss fight at the end. Um, the floors leading up to it are randomized. The entrance cave is generally the same, because it'll have, like, a specific sort of puzzle there, or a key, uh, like, a, a boss door that you need to unlock, and the boss room is the same. So it, it, it really... They've put a lot of love and care into making this feel like this... It is I, one of the, I would say, one of the most perfect mashups of two completely obscure, like 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 polar opposite franchises in a way, um, and I, I think it's it's brilliantly done. Um, the other thing as well is that you've got permanent. So if you pick up, uh, if you find a sword, you've got that sword. All right, you can find. I think you can find better versions of those weapons, like the glass ones. I don't know if you've encountered them in Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, yeah, I've had them a couple of times and then yep. lost them immediately because that's... Yep. They're not for me because I get hit a lot. <laughs> yeah, they are the risk-reward items. So basically the glass glass items are that um, they usually have a quite a big buff on them, but if you get hit once, they shatter. So, um, Leaving it's, you it's with like, just a shot of glass as your weapon. Yeah, basically. Um, the good thing about that in this one is if it's like, say, I've got like... I pick up like a a, a shield that's glass... If that breaks, it goes back to my old shield that I had. Not, that's that's handy, at least. Yeah, so like it, it you are constantly swapping through items and things like that. Um, but the way that they get around, I guess, um, having those permanent upgrades there, because they're not entirely permanent, because they have durability meters. Uh, your, your weapons don't, but your shields, boots, um, lanterns, uh, which is a mechanic from Crypt of the Necrodancer as well, having torches that, like broaden your field of view so you can see around the areas a lot clearer um those all have durability on them so they will wear down 
depending on the item, they will wear down quick or slow. I haven't found too much of a problem, and you're usually finding a lot of different things as well, so you'll pick up ones and swap. Um, if you pick up a new one, like it, it might be the same stats, but it'll be a full durability, so you can drop your other one on the ground and keep going. Uh, but yeah, um, I fought one boss so far. Um, it was really fun. It's just like a, a, a Crypt of the Necrodancer boss. Uh, but again, I found it a little less challenging, and I don't mean that in a bad way, because like, Crypt of the Necrodancer is very hard. It is very hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I would honestly, say... I've, I've played a lot of... Not a lot, not as many as you. I've yeah. played a, relative, a decent amount of roguelikes, and normally when I encounter my first boss in any of these, it's like, okay, cool, I can sort of handle this. But the, when mm-hmm. I first ran into that first boss in Crypt, I was I was dragging my corpse oh, yeah. there, and it, was, it oh, just yeah. hit me once and finished me off, and that was it. <laughs> It's uh, terrifying see, see you next too. Next time, I guess. And because like the music usually changes as well. Because I can't remember. And the it's first random. Boss. Like you don't know what boss you're going to be up That's against. That's right. Yeah. Which one? Which one did you come up against first? Um, the I forget his name. He's mm. like he's the big armored guy. Okay. It doesn't, I I it doesn't help much. Yeah. But he he wasn't too bad. Like I in my runs in when I got to the boss at the first stage, I I think I fought two or maybe one or two different bosses. Yep. And it was the one that I faced first when I came back to him a second time that I that I beat. <laughs> it's uh well that's the cool thing about the bosses too. They all have like they're all themed after a certain style of music. Um and that carries over into uh Crypt of the Necrodance uh Cadence of Hyrule as well, sorry. Um because all of them are like spins on Zelda bosses and enemies. Because like the enemies are as well, but they also the, the enemies also have movement patterns that are very similar to similar types of enemies in Crypt of the Necrodancer. So they've mashed those together to sort of make it work. And, and it's, it, there is so much detail and care put into this game that like they could have just popped this out and it could have just, been, it still would have been a really fun, solid game at, at the very least for no other reason than having like a new Zelda, like remix Zelda soundtrack out there. But the fact that, they've actually backed it up with a solid game it's not overly long from what i hear i just haven't put a lot of time into it because i've it's a specific time and place game that i have to be like all right cool i'm setting aside time where i'm going to sit down and play this and not be distracted by anything it else because i need to listen full attention yeah um like, Plus, much like any rhythm game yeah yeah as i say you, you honestly even if it was a game you could sort of like other rogue likes you can pa- play in passing but you yep. want to hear that soundtrack because it's so good. oh yeah absolutely yeah and it doesn't get it doesn't get boring it's just it's really really great i'm i'm a big fan of it um i i I remember seeing a lot of people get turned off by the price which i get um but one this is this is a nintendo game like it is published by nintendo that's a that's a whole other part of this discussion really like that nintendo was willing to let these guys make this sort of zelda game Mm -hmm. and that that's like continuing on from that Mario Maker uh, conversation as well about how Nintendo were doing interesting things with their IP to to keep them fresh. Like, yeah, if you'd have said like I, even like eight months ago, you said to me, "It's like, hey, you, know, you remember Crypt of the Necro Dancer?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I love that game. It's great." I was like, "Yeah, well, there's a Zelda one coming out, and it's published by Nintendo." I would have been like, "Fuck off, there is like, it's th- funny, right? Yeah, it, it opens up the incredibly tantalizing discussion of." It does. What indie dev would you like to see ever run at a Nintendo IP? And that could nearly be its own episode because there are so many possibilities. Hey, Kyron, what about Yacht Club doing some Metroid? What about... 
What about Team Cherry doing some Metroid? Oh, that's a good point, actually. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. No, we'll give give um give Yacht Club Castlevania, and then I know that's Konami, but yeah. like you know what I mean. Like it's a, yeah, yeah. Even Mario for like Yacht that. Club would be cool. Like oh man, yeah, that'd they, be dope. They, they make incredible platformers with that with that Mega Man twist, and it would be cool yep. to see. I could see a Mario game working like that. Yep. Absolutely. Um, having like, yeah, different, like, man, imagine, like, like it, I know there's an RPG Mario game already, but like, like not in this style, having like those like RPG stat boosting elements to a Mario game. Be cool. It, again, it, it, it could, maybe down the road, we could just do an episode where we just pick indie developers <laughs> and Nintendo IPs for them to work on because yeah, this is open to floodgate, but Honestly, I don't think anyone had really considered because Nintendo no. is usually... Again, it changed a lot with the Switch going forward. Mm-hmm. But prior to this gen and after, I think, the utter humiliation of the Wii U. Yep. It's like, look, maybe we should just be more open with our IP. And yeah. this is one of the... This is, yeah, this is a payoff, I would say. It is. Out. I honestly, like, if you if you like Zelda games, like, if you're a Zelda fan, like, this is a must-play. Like... I without a doubt. If you own it, I would almost say if you own a Switch, this is like a game that you should have on your Switch. Um, it's got co-op as well. That's the other thing that's really cool. I haven't tried that out. Yeah, you know why? Really because you get to play as Zelda. Yeah, I've been playing as Zelda most Nintendo, exclusively. Make it happen, you cowards. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing as Zelda. Like, because if they're tracking my data somehow, I'll be like, yeah, I'm playing as Zelda. Zelda, right make now. It happen. <laughs> um, I only just switched to Link the other day. Um. Similar, but like they have like the same sort of mechanics. But obviously, Link has his shield, and Zelda has her um, her like a crystal shield. I can't remember what it's called, but like in Smash, uh, where she um, Nairu's Na- love. Yes, that's the one. Um, so yeah, so she has that, and uh, and yeah, and then there's like you pick up uh, there's like Sheikah stones all around that you use for fast travel, but you've got to find the like the loot to be able to do that. Our um, spear is still the best weapon type. <laughs> absolutely, they are. Yes, I am rolling exclusively spear, spear uh, because only. yeah, it's the best. Because um, yeah, they, they have different um, stats to them. So spear basically lets you attack like two squares ahead. Every weapon behaves differently, and in my yep. time with Necrodancer, spear was my go-to. Yep. Yeah. Ditch no sp- everything else. <laughs> spear is good. Um, the only like. Uh, like broadswords are pretty good, especially hits, if you're in like, like three tiles horizontally, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the three three in front of you, basically. Like yeah, to, yeah horizontally. Um, and that's that's really good if you're like if you you know you're going into an area that's going to be like you're going to get mobbed. Basically, you can it's like it's a crowd control one. You're just like, yeah, yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the best part about like both Crypt of the Necrodancer and 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 Cadence of Hyrule is that. When you get, it's like any good rhythm game, when you get into that swing and you get into the rhythm of everything and you're like, you start, you start feeling yourself bopping while you're moving, like just to keep yourself in beat. So, and you're like, it's such a great idea. Um, and the cool thing about Crypt of the Necrodancer is too, it actually has a, it's uh, supported by dance pads. So you can play that game with a dance pad. Um, it actually has a specific mode where you can hook up a dance pad to your PC or PS4 and play through that game using a dance pad. And I think that's a fucking great idea. I wish I had one, but I don't, and I'm not going to spend a lot of money on one. So um, I'm not that dedicated. But because uh, I know you can, but I think they released like Crypt of the Necro. They did, they did a collaboration with like a 
a, a like a gamepad maker, like a, a dance pad maker. Uh, and I'm talking like not foamy kind of ones. This was like legit metal like dance pad that you could buy that was like Crypt of the Necro Dancer themed. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. I just, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I, it absolute must play. Uh, and Crypt of the Necro Dancer is worth checking out as well. I would almost argue, because I know that uh, you, Kyron, and also Brod decided to check out Crypt of the Necro Dancer first because one, it was cheaper. It was on sale at the time. Oh yeah, because I, I mean, I picked it up like, Oh man, I want to say last year or something when it was going really. Yeah, cheap. that's right. And I mean, Brod picked it up recently, but um, but like, yeah, it, I picked it up as well because it was six dollars. Even last yeah, year as well. Even when it wasn't on sale, it was honestly very reasonably priced. It's like eighteen bucks most, I think mostly. But um, I would almost recommend checking out Cadence of Hyrule first because I feel like it's a lot more accessible. I would um, say, from, yeah, from all I've read and seen and heard, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it, it's a lot more accessible. That's what I noticed. I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like I, I felt like I felt a little bit godly going into it because I was like, I was prepared for it. But I, I like going into Crypt of the Necro Dancer is like, "Fucking go!" Are you dead? Too bad. Back to the start. Try again. Get good. And, and again, that's that's the little thing that I am excited for. Cadence. I just again, it's not much, but having that overworld gives me something. You know, when I play yep. Crypt of Necro Dancer and I wipe on a run. It kicks you back to that room. I have mm-hmm. no diamonds to spend. It's like, oh, go again. You're like, yep, yeah, I, yep. I could, but I'm still pretty badly bruised from that last run. Can I do something else? At least it's, in cadence, it, if I get my butt kicked, it's like, well, I'll go to the overworld and see. It's it's fascinating to hear that. Like, I I like totally get that whole thing, but like from someone who's a like a Souls player as well, like Cadence of Hyrule. I mean, the Crypt and Dancer series shares that. I hate making the comparisons. I know we all do, and oh, everyone's sick of it. I'm ready for this because there's a reason why Souls works. <laughs> you, it's it's because it's about learning patterns, and that's what this is as well. I guess I, I can see where you're coming from, like the randomized element of everything as well. Is yeah, where, and like in Souls, yeah, like I have yep. my build, and I can change gear yep. and all that sort of stuff. And okay, yeah, all right, that's fair. Yeah, but, I, but I, um, I, again, but that's the thing, right? That's where, like, honestly, you could. There's a good argument for Dark Souls is part of that genre almost because sure you have a lot of that stuff but you can be progressing towards a boss die go back to the bonfire it's like cool everyone's back do it again you're like oh, yep. all right here we go yeah. again <laughs> you know with like slight differences yeah they yeah. follow us like i remember a lot of people like kept like calling sekiro when it came out a rhythm game and it's, yeah. i mean it's not wrong like, well, it was pretty important in that game yeah like in that it's 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 not you know it's a different type of rhythm game but I would argue that it could be a rhythm game. You get into the rhythm of clashing blades. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but no, I honestly, like, if you own a Switch and you've been, like, morbidly curious about it or even just, like, going, oh, that looks interesting, I implore you to check it out. Um, nice. Either it's, of the games. It's, it's on my wish list. Like, I think after Fire Emblem comes out later this month, that will be my next Switch purchase. I, I honestly think you're going to love it, Kyron. I can't I wait. I'm so excited. And I want to play gonna... it right now, but I'm playing another Switch, two Switch games right now. So <laughs> I'll have to it's, wait a bit longer. Every time I play it, I'm always just like, fuck, Kyron's going to love this game. This is exactly what he wants from this type of game. I've I've listened to the soundtrack numerous times on YouTube. And it's like, I just want to, I want to play it. I want to play it's it. so and good. Just be humming along to this tune because it's so good. I need to go back and listen to the Crypt of the Necro Dancer soundtrack as so, well. It's that's got on, such that's good on music. Spotify as well. I know it's so good, and it's got like remixes of those versions as well. Like there's like whole remix albums and things, because um, it's all like done by 
quite well known in those circles, like chip tune artists as well, and like performers, I believe. But... And um, what someone I someone I listened to on Spotify is involved with um, the Cadence soundtrack. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll have to look up his name because basically, obviously, because Spotify is pretty lacking in a lot of the big uh, video game music. Like, there's not like Final Fantasy is on there now, and there's a lot of yep. new sound. And like, there's there's a decent amount, but all the, all the classics, Capcom stuff as well, all the classics that I want up there. Uh, yeah, but there's a particular person. He's on on Spotify. His Family Jewels is his name. Yes, Family Jewels. Oh, that's right. He is too. Yeah, yes, I have a. I basically have a playlist dedicated entirely to a lot of amazing metal covers. Yes, him. yeah, he's awesome. Um, yeah. In particular, good... I think he has a. He's has some Persona stuff that was really good. Yeah, he does. Have some, there's a, I think he's got a cover of uh, Ridley's theme, which is oh, that's awesome. Oh, so, oh no, that's Toxic Eternity. I'm sorry, but yeah, he does okay. have he does have some good Persona stuff on there. It's just great. Yeah. It's just and like when I heard he was involved with this game yeah okay that's, that's... you hear those like guitar solos and you're like oh okay yeah let's my oh. funny story um he did a who was he i think it was um oh i saw it on twitter you know i forget it i can't be bothered opening up twitter it was basically <laughs> him and um someone were working on two nintendo games but and they knew each other and they had collaborated in a youtube video oh, that's they couldn't awesome. they couldn't tell each other obviously the, the, the two things they were doing yeah it's just like that's it's cool it's cool I think yeah, it's um, but yeah, good stuff, good 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 vibes all around there with uh Absolutely. with those games. Um, God, I love those games. Oh, so good. I actually want to get play them now. Uh, but we got plenty more to talk about. Um, where should we go to next, Karen? What are you thinking? What do you what, what have you been playing? Re- regale me with stories of what have you been playing. Uh, okay. Um, I'll give you two options, Joel. Okay. We can go to a castle, or we, or we can go underwater. <laughs> oh, I'm interested about underwater. All right. So, this I picked this up a long time ago now, it feels like. It was back yep. in April or something, I think. Yep. It was back when no, I was... I checked out No Man's Sky because they had sort of breathed new life into their underwater stuff, which was like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And No Man's Sky is a fun game. All right, I'll check it out. And as I was playing it, it was neat, but I had a craving for more. Right. And I remember I've seen plenty of people, obviously it's been on PC and early, it was early access for ages, yep. came full release, came to consoles, uh, it was even like a spin-off now that they're working on, but uh, Subnautica was a game that had, it always been in, on the, like, in my peripheral vision. It was all, okay. I'm like, I'm looking at it going, this game sounds fun, but I was also kind of drained on the whole survival like open world create survival sort of games where you basically build and survive. Of course, yeah. But if there's going to be one that t- catches my attention, the ocean is so fascinating and terrifying, and te- and terrifying. And <laughs> yeah, as someone who is ocean, you're cool over there and all that. But I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to admire you from. I love. Afar. I will watch endless <laughs> documentaries about you and have an endless fascination. But you're so good over there. Yep. You stay over yeah. there, be deep and mysterious, and I'll stay out of your way. Where I'm um, dry and safe. And safe. And yeah. Subnautica, Joel. Boy, it's, it starts off, you're like, oh, look at these nice... The, the starting zone is literally called Safe Shallows. Like, <laughs> oh, this is so nice. Look at this coral. It's beautiful. And then you start, as you start going deep, you're like, I truly hate this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm truly scared. <laughs> in particular, like if you ever do play Subnautica, I do recommend playing with headphones on because as you're getting <sighs> real deep in your little sea moth submarine, you're just you can hear things outside. You're like, nah, I don't <laughs> want to deal with that. <laughs> I don't even. I don't want to know what's making that noise. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, is there is there like an overall? Is there like a story? Yes. Or is so, there, okay. I think the thing that made Subnautica much more appealing to me because everyone that's always on my again my peripheral vision is of course Ark Survival Evolved yeah because I would just want to ride dinosaurs yeah fuck yeah and I've watched so many videos of their trailers where it's like that is a dinosaur with a cannon on its back I want yep. that <laughs> yep mm-hmm. but never enough to actually pick the game up it's also a bit pricey but and also still not doesn't still kind of buggy on most yeah. things yeah. <laughs> on, on consoles especially which is where I would be playing yeah uh, yeah but no, yeah, Subnautica, it's completely single player, no multiplayer at all, which at okay. first I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But And whilst I would still love a multiplayer version of this, mm-hmm. because it has that goal in mind, the single player aspect really works. Basically yeah. what happened, the setting is, you're on this spaceship called the Aurora, you're passing over this planet... And essentially, you get shot out of the sky, and you crash land on this on this world, which is I'm not sure if it's entirely an ocean world, but you definitely land in the middle of a goddamn ocean. <laughs> okay. Yep. Cool. The best place to land. Yes. So you are yeah. uh, you escape through a life pod, and your goal is basically, hey, you need to kind of call for help and get out of here, and that whole entire adventure is the duration of your game. Okay. And cool. th- things happen that, that throw spanners in the works, like you go and call for help, and there's a Obviously, a gun turret, a gun placement that shoots your help out of the sky, which sort of sucks. And you're like, okay, yep. At one point, you're like, cool. I can. I think I can. I'll go to activate the gun, and you go to do it. It's like actually, you're also infected by something. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta go fix that. And fixing that takes you so deep, oh. so deep into the ocean, Joel. Like at the lowest point when I was doing the last stuff, I was like fifteen hundred meters underwater. Oh God! It's like, oh, it's not, no, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> no, it's, um, all, it's all good. I don't need this. <laughs> see that that sounds infinitely more like apart from the terrifying nature of it, but that sounds infinitely more appealing to me. Having like a survival game that has a clear end and a goal yes. that you're working towards. I think I get why people do like having that open endedness of something like a Minecraft or a Terraria or something like that, but. I don't know. After a while, I'm just like, cool. Even The Sims, I'm just like, after a while, I'm just like, ah, cool. What what do now? Like, I mean, because it is worth mentioning, but even though it does have a clear end, you can... I I did meddle for about probably a solid 15 hours Yeah, but in that's... just building bases. Because <laughs> you do have the base building mechanic. You can basically set up a place. Like, cool, this is my, this is my HQ. And okay. the game sort of encourages you. Again, going pretty deep is terrifying. And all of your little vehicles, so there's, um, the Seamoth is like your basic run-of-the-mill tiny one-man sub. Mm-hmm. It's your bread and butter. It's going to be what you sort of start with for the most part. Yep. But it can, even with like uh, the mods you install, the deepest it can go is 900 meters. Okay. And you have to go, yeah, like I said, I was at 1500 at one point. You have to leave it behind, which sucks because it's also my favorite of the vehicles. Right. It's very versatile, very small and very quick. Mm-hmm. From there, you have your huge submarine called the Cyclops, which, again, it's big. It's very big, and it's the one thing that, when I looked at it, I was like, I wished it was multiplayer, because <laughs> you pilot the sub, and you have a lot to deal with on the HUD alone. You've got okay. like you've got your speeds that you can pick to go at. You've got your 
which again the faster you go the noisier you are which will attract sea life obviously which depending on what zone you're in you may want no part of <laughs> right because there are some big and horrible things out there that want to destroy your submarines and it takes a lot of resources to build a cyclops so they're not really a thing to you know throw away willy-nilly uh but yeah yes. so and, and even when you're watching all that hud stuff beyond that you can again if you had multiplayer it would be so cool because you can launch decoys if you're being harassed so you can okay. basically fire at a decoy to distract a you know a sea monster and it's a bit it's a bit of a bummer to have to like bail on controls and make sure you sort of i guess i mean maybe you don't have to but i would always do it for the sake of because again as i said everything's got power that keeps things going okay so like you know if you get out of your cyclops at least remember to turn the engine off okay otherwise you could find yourself in a bad spot oh no you can you can leave like the lights on and stuff because you could oh boy you've got interior lights and external lights external lights again if you've got them on will attract attention right and you want to sort of again as you're getting deeper with this thing you want to be careful because there are large sea monsters of varying like i think there's like there's two or three different types but are called leviathans and they are huge Oh, big, good. And they're scary. The scariest ones are deepest down, and you, you can literally hear them roaring when you're near them. Oh, and you, and you want no part of it. They're just terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so to actually go and fire the decoy, you have to leave your post to go and like insert the tube and launch it. Same for swapping over the battery. The Cyclops is powered by like I think six or eight power cells. Okay. And you can have ba- you can have backups in like a you can build on this thing. It can be like a portable base, which is neat. Just okay. don't do what I did and build battery charges. All right. I didn't consider the the logic of oh, I'll just charge my batteries as I'm moving my cyclops. Yeah, that drains your power. Dumbass. Right. Of course. Yep. I was like, why is my cyclops losing so much power? Oh, I'm using this power <laughs> to charge more batteries. Wow, I'm an idiot. <laughs> of course. Uh, so yeah, that, the cyclops can basically go down to i think at max i think it's the one that gets the deepest okay like 1500 or something like it's, it gets deep even at a certain point you have to just bail on all your vehicles and just use like a little hand glider to get to the deepest parts oh fuck yeah. that noise and then of course there is your prawn which is basically a little mechanized suit okay. which is just for trudging along the ocean floor if you see like large mineral deposits you need the prawn because it's got like you can build a drill arm for it and just okay the sound that it makes, for some reason, when you're drilling things, it's just satisfying, and it just sounds perfect. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm, it is. All I'm envisioning is like, yeah, underwater sea suit with a big drill arm. I'm just env- envisioning big daddies. That's all I can see. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's a fair it's, comparison. Yeah. Uh, and again, they also run in power and have like... It, it, and those are like your three vehicles, honestly. Okay. doesn't really get too much beyond that. A lot of those can be modified in a variety of ways. Uh like like I said, the Seamoth, you can put in things to make it go deeper. You can put a little uh, shock defense on it, where basically if a creature nudges you, you can press, you can select it with the D-pad and tap L1, and it'll zap it. Generally, okay. the smaller things will leave you alone when you do that. Uh, okay. Cyclops can get all sorts of mods, like a, a, a sonar. So if you're deep, deep, deep in the dark parts of the ocean, you can have that pinging to, to map the area in front of you. Okay. But again... That will attract attention, so use it sparingly. Right. And the prawn can get all sorts of mods for its arms. Uh, in particular, the ones I use basically a lot for the end, when you're deep down, and you have to... That thing walks very slowly. 
Okay. So I can imagine it would, yeah. Yeah, so you basically get the hang of using a couple of its mods, in particular a grappling arm. Okay. You can grapple onto the roof of the undersea caves to sort of get around quicker, Metroid style. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, Joel, it's it's a fascinating game, but I I'm really glad I took the gamble on it because I was riding it off for so long with all those other survival crafting games, but this one yeah. was really good. Would you say you're happy you took the plunge? Uh, yes, Joel, I would. <laughs> um, no, it's really interesting. Like, I I didn't know much about it. I'd heard you, like, you were telling me bits and pieces about the game, but I didn't really look into the game itself because I'm not typically one to go out of my way to play, like, those just survival-based games. Um, but hearing you say that it has like an end goal that is yeah. clear from the get go. Your, your and goal was to get off the planet. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's an, there's an ending. All right. That sounds Which, like by the time I was towards. building my rocket to leave, I'm like, get me off this planet. <laughs> I'm done here. You're like, peace. I'm done leaving. Um, yeah. And no, that sounds really cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, there is a, a, like I said, there's a spin-off standalone expansion. Okay. Which is called Subnautica Below Zero. Same thing, but on a frozen planet. And oh. I am eagerly awaiting it coming to console. It only just came into early access like Jan 30 of this year, so it's still right. early. Okay. Uh, what I, so I should really talk about... It. We talked about Ark not running well on console. Yeah. And Subnautica is mostly okay. Yep. Sometimes especially in the later parts of a game when I'd spend a lot of time in one particular... So I was usually at the surface in safe shallows or really deep down. Yep. Spending a lot of time in those areas was fine. But if I had to go back from one to the other, when the mm. game then had to like redraw in the rest of the ocean, yep. it would struggle sometimes and parts would... There'd be like chunks of the terrain and we're like, there's nothing there. The game's like, I couldn't load it, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. And I get... Like it's a it's a limitation of the console really more than anything. I'm sure on PC it's much better. And Obviously probably PCs the, have a lot more resources like, for that sort of stuff. Probably of the team as well. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine it's a big team of working on this game. Well, because I because the team is actually um who's the developer? Unknown Worlds Entertainment. I had never even heard okay. of them. Yeah, no. I had to look into them to see what else they made. Yeah. And of all the stuff that they've listed here, the only ones I re- recognized were the natural selection games. Natural select. Why does that sound familiar? It you you. It's probably popped up on your Steam feed a lot. Oh, okay. Video games. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds familiar. And honestly, there were games that never really. I looked at them and sort of was like, mm, no thanks. I'm good. Yep. But uh, this game, very good. Very cool. ocean man. It's so fascinating. But get it out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but. Go away. I love you, but stop. <laughs> That's enough. Like, um. the, setting yourself up, right? So you, you're ready, you're getting your Cyclops, you're all good. You, you go out to the open ocean, which is looking around you and just seeing blue. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And yep. then just taking yourself and going, oh, I guess I'm going down. And just yeah. sinking and watching the sunlight fade. You're just like, goodbye, light. <laughs> I <laughs> miss you. <laughs> Goodbye, safety. Yep. And just <laughs> finding all the... Obviously, yeah, like I said, there's also base building. You can go you can go pretty in-depth with that. I had a really substantial base near the starting point. Yep. Uh, just 
because uh, again, it is survival. I should mention that because so you have to worry about your food and your hydration, okay. which All in right. the early game was a bit frustrating. Like there are plenty of you know sea life to consume in the starting area, but we'll cover that mostly. But later on, it wasn't. It wasn't until later on that I had a real handle on it. Had heaps yeah. of like just preserved food. When you combine a fish with salt, it basically makes a solar version. Just chuck it in a locker. Yep. You can set up aquariums and just sort of breed fish and harvest them. And making water becomes really easy later on. But at the start, it was a bit of a bit of a slog. Also, just having the bravery to go out into the, the ocean was it was like this is a commitment. What is the penalty for for death? So if you die, you will drop the stuff you have on your person. Okay. Um, on that spot, and then you'll spawn. I think back at your last. I, I assume base, but it's hard to tell because I honestly didn't die too much because I was super cautious. Okay, I died once very early on, and then spawned back in the life pod, and I decided never again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you will. You can die, and you'll pop you back somewhere safe, and you can go get your stuff. The main reason I didn't want to die after that point was because I was always in a vehicle. I'm like, I don't want to leave this vehicle here, so yeah. I am bringing heaps of food and heaps of water. That's what I was curious about, is like, if you died there, yeah. would you have to go back and get it? I think so, yes. If you die, oh, you have to go get your vehicle back. Which can Jesus. be... So this is why I had, basically, in the main... Because there's a bunch of different biomes, obviously, as a survival game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had bases, basically, in all the major ones... Because I read, I learned very early on a good thing to have because you can build these things called scanning rooms, which map out a small portion of the terrain you're in, okay. and it can, you can also use those to search for particular materials for crafting and stuff like that, which is useful. But I would have basically one of those and a little room with some charges, and like you can get plant life from a couple of the islands and build growers in your bases, and just had them growing food. I had a battery charger and I had some fish in like a locker and like you can build like a water filtration and I was good. I had one of those basically at each of my bases yep. and I was set. Right. Then I, when I finally finished the game though, I was happy to see it all go. Sink back into the ocean, you jerks. <laughs> You're like, you've served me well, but We're fuck done you. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Um, cool. Well, that sounds interesting that car. Yeah. It's a very, it's a, I'm glad I gambled on it because I wasn't sure if I'd enjoy it, but I uh, walked away happy. Also, Fair. it's one of those it's one of those platinums that was good because it's honestly just do everything. There was only really one okay. extra trophy I had to look Word into. For. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It sounds good. Um. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out eventually. I don't know. I got too much about, to play. How do you feel about the ocean? Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like going it's, to the beach. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> going to the beach, but that yeah, that's about it. Yeah. No. <laughs> It'd be interesting though. It looks, it sounds interesting. Hearing you talk about it though, it, it actually sort of piqued my curiosity in it a little bit more, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe not enough yeah, to I mean, take the plunge. I do actually want to, I wasn't playing it at the time when I did it, but uh, they did have a, a, a window where they actually, as part of the, obviously the ongoing battle for ocean, I don't know, safety, I guess, the health of the ocean and like the Great Barrier Reef in particular. Yeah. Um, they, they actually bleached a lot of their coral for like a, it was a week or something. Oh wow! To be like, look, this is what it, this is what it's going to look like. Fuck! That's... I wish I had been oh. playing when that happened because it would have been so interesting and so sad. Yeah, so sad. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, very cool. Um, but like for that that alone, I was like, you guys get it. You know what you're making a game about, and that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. Would you would you like me to take the reins for a little bit? Yeah, let's let's you... tag off on the you, Joel. All, all right, right cool. 
Um, well, I'll give you two options. Two They're options. both ones. Ones are ones are Metroidvania with a with an adorable twist. I just realized we're capping this out with Metroidvania stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and the other is a uh, uh, one hit you dead two D platformer. Let's do the one hit you dead one because the other okay. two will pair together nicely. All right, cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, so after you know a bit of a delay uh, a in us getting it, uh, getting it here in the, uh, the, the good old land of Oz, um, Katana Zero finally launched on the Switch. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was the it was end a, of. It was a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, I just remember it popped weeks. up late, and I told you. I think it was the week before E three. I think it popped up. Um, and yeah, I've obviously been really keen to play this because uh, ever since seeing the the trailer in I think one of the the indie uh, indies directs, um, I was like, this is my jam. It's published by Doral of the Digital, so I mean, generally anything that they make, I like, uh, or I'm vaguely interested in. Uh, and, and yeah, it's by uh, AskiSoft, the developer, which I think is like only a couple of people. It's a very small team, potentially one person. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it is a tough as nails, 2D platformer, one hit and you're dead, um, kind of situation, uh, centering around a, an assassin, um, known as, I guess, Subject Zero. Uh, he's got a few different names, but I'm not going to go into like spoilery stuff because the storyline of this game is actually really, really cool. Um, basically you're going through and doing these like, uh, like assassinations, uh, but the interesting part is between those... I mean, the gameplay is really, really good. It's really tight. Uh, you've got, like, you've got a, a roll, you've got a jump, and then you can also... You can essentially double jump by attacking up while you jump. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, you can use that to your advantage as well. Uh, and you can, like, yeah, wall jump off wall as well, I believe. Um, yeah, you can. Um yeah, so it's basically you're going through these levels, killing everyone in sight, or sometimes not. Um, there are some stealth elements to this game as well, um, which are fine. Like, they they serve their purpose. Um, not super crazy about them, because it's not what I came to that game for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the storyline's really interesting, because like in between these assassinations that you're doing, you're going to see a psycho, uh, like a psychiatrist, who talks you through. Basically, like he grades you on your missions because at the end of each, the, the, especially at the start of the game, before things start to get a little crazy, um, he grade like he, like if you do everything that they say, um, he's usually generally more favorable towards you when you go to these appointments. Um, but usually, at the end of each appointment, you end up receiving your drugs, which is a drug called Kronos. Um, and that's all tied into the story as well. But basically, it kind of is the the, the reason why when you die, uh, you it rewinds like a videotape back to the start of the level, and then you, you try again. That's your reset. It's a cool gimmick. Yes. You can also slow down time as well, which uh, leads to some of the, the more uh, badass moments in, in like... Uh, combat sequences so say you're running you kick a door down there's a guy there and you kill him immediately but the guy behind him's got a gun you can slow down time immediately and hold that down as he fires the gun you can use your sword to deflect that bullet back at them 
Um, That's can, pretty rad. It's fucking cool. And some I actually, by mistake, a few times did it without actually activating slowdown. So you can time it to do it of them just firing. And Jesus. the times that I did that, I was just like, oh God, I'm so fucking good at this game. Because um, it gets real hard. Um, but I didn't have... A, a, a terrible amount of trouble with it. I didn't think it was super unfair. Um, I think after, you know, slamming my head against the wall sometimes, like, I, like eventually I would get through. Um, and yeah, I like I said, the storyline really, like, took me in. And I'd read a lot of people saying, or I heard a lot of people saying that, that the storyline is actually pretty decent. It's, it's got some interesting stuff to say about, like, PTSD, in a way. Um and it's sort of alluding to something happening in a few months as well. Again, I'm not going to go into too much about things, but... It's on my wish some, list. I will play it, I promise. <laughs> yeah, there's some, like, post-game stuff that's, that you can unlock other weapons. Uh, and then there's but a why final... I not want to use a katana? Wait till you see some of those weapons, oh, though. They have okay. different, they'd have different right. abilities. And okay. I, I unlocked them all when I finished the game as well. Um yeah, there's some pretty fun stuff in there as well. That are pretty fun nods to other things. But there's a final door in that room that says, um, "I don't have the codes for this. Maybe try coming back in a few months." And no one on the internet seems to know what that means. Hmm. So uh, I don't know whether there's going to be DLC for it coming down the track. I mean, I assume so, maybe, or another game altogether. Um, but the storyline leaves, it, it, it wraps up, but there is, I, I guess, a slight cliffhanger. Um, but it's it's all set in like this, you know, like like neo-noir cyberpunk-esque city called uh, New Mecca as well. Um, so the setting of it's really cool. The soundtrack's really great. Going back to, um, well, we were talking before about, uh, we were talking about Stranger Things before we started recording and how much we're very much enjoying Synthwave. Um, it's got a really cool, like, like outrun vibe soundtrack to it as well. Um, cause each level starts with like, um, subject zero putting in headphones and it's, it says down the bottom, like now playing and it tells you the track. This game sounds so up my alley. <laughs> yeah, dude, I think you're really going to dig it. Um, and it's, it's not overly long either. It, I probably finish it in maybe like six or seven hours. I really appreciate um, that about games. A lot of these mm-hmm. indie games as well. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think you really dig it. It's, um, uh, a lot, hell of a lot of fun. So, uh, so the main gimmick, the main thing is that you ha- it's one hit and you're dead, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So, I actually think that's a really clever way to build the game because, I mean, that's what I also liked about Sekiro to mm-hmm. sort of drag this conversation in a weird direction. In yep. Sekiro, no matter how strong you get, like, it's not, not one hit, but you die essentially in two or three. Yeah, it's, you've got to plan your way. I, I would, I, I, I would relate it almost... It's pretty much like a 2D version, like a 2D platformer version of Hotline Miami. Yeah. If you really want to boil it down to something... Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty simple comparison. Because um, it's the same thing, where, like, enemies are always relatively in the same spot. They might have, slight, like, slightly different patterns, um, but they're generally in the same area. So you can plan your attacks. So you can get halfway through a level if, to, to get... And, and then die and go, cool, all right, now I know my strategy to get to this point. Now I can work on my next strategy to get further and you'll find yourself that like on those rooms that take you on those like those stages that take you a while to get through um you'll you'll find you'll like after a while you won't even think about like the first part of that level you just like get bang 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 because you can pick there's sometimes there's items you can pick up as well and throw um and they have 
different effects. Like there's grenades and molotovs and smoke bombs. The smoke bombs are really cool. If you throw them into a group of enemies, they're all blind, so you can dash into the middle of them and just fucking wreck shop. Nice. Um, Do the enemies a... die in one hit or? Um, yes, pretty much. So cool. um, some of them, there, there are enemies later on that have shields and there yeah, I are figured that would happen eventually. boss fights as well. Um, yeah, so it's, I, like I said, yeah, 2D version of, of Hotline Miami, if you really want to have, like, some sort of comparison point to it, but the Sekiro comparison is quite, um, apparent as well, I could, I could definitely see that as well, um, and it's all about, yeah, learning your strategies and learning how to control this character and, and, um, yeah, unlocking some of the extra stuff that I had to do because I, I, I mean, I must admit, I, I looked up a guide to like how to do it, but I still had to do the stuff to get through it. Um, it was quite challenging as well. Um, I, yeah, it's one that I'm definitely going to remember come the end of the year. Uh, it's, it's, it feels to me it's like my um, the messenger of this year. I hope you're keeping a list of these games, Joel. Uh, I, mentally, yes. Mentally, um, good God, make a, make a doc. <laughs> no, see, the thing is, though, they're, most, they're pretty much all on my Switch. So I just go back when we were do, like going, I was going through like what have I played? I was like I've pretty much just played the Switch since we last recorded like about a, a normal episode of games that we played. So I went back through my Switch library and I was like, oh yep, that one, that one, yep, that one. All right, cool, awesome. Um, that was that was my my list is my Switch basically. Um, Switch is pretty good, man. It's pretty it is awesome. good. Uh, it's also out PC as well though, Katana Zero. Um, I think it. That's it. Yeah. At the moment, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. Windows, Mac OS, and uh, and Switch. At the moment. It'll no doubt come to the other platforms eventually. Yes. Uh, would like, assume so. Unless as, as far as deal. these these indie devs go, like Switch, Nintendo cares. So I think mm-hmm. that's why they're picking that as their platform alongside PC. I've already, little... I've already seen talk of um some some small developers talking about with with PS5 on the horizon. They're feeling pretty shunned, pretty ignored. Well, I I mean, this is sort of dope on dope territory, but there was uh, I think rumors going around about like the PS5 focusing more on AAA and yep. that's what I was and, hearing. Yeah, so I mean, which good because AAA is important, but no, hey, is a thing, is it though? No, you know what? That's that's a discussion. It is a discussion. <laughs> Let's make someone ask us that. <laughs> and I'm 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 also I'm also firmly in the camp of like the things that I the, the things that I play the most on my Switch are indie games because uh, they're mostly coming to it and they're I all love, perfect I for the platform. Love a good AAA game, but same. But I guess I'm as, I'm as this industry progresses, it's it's showing its age. Yeah, uh, you're right. Though this, that's a topic of a discussion for another time, and I think that would be a good one to dive into. Um, all right. Shall we round out with some Metroidvania vibes? Let's do it. Would you like to go first or would you like me to, to um, take the reins? Well, because you've, you've finished yours. Mine's I, true. I played a bit of mine, but it's still, I think I'm maybe halfway through. Still got a bit to go. And yeah, to be fair, mine's not overly long, to be fair. I mean, I, I think um, we've, have we talked about it. No, we haven't. I've, we haven't had really quests. I for a think months. I brought it up briefly. Yeah, in, I brought up that, and I brought up Katana Zero as well. I think, but well, now's a chance, Joel. Let's yeah, take a bite out of this game. Cool. All right. So, if you know me, like personally, like or even like, like from listening to the show, you probably gathered that I kind of like cats. Um, this seems like a really weird segue into a Metroidvania game, but stick with me. Uh, it makes sense. Um, 
but yeah, so I saw a trailer for this game, again, published by Devolver Digital, called uh, Gator Roboto. Um, and look, if you watch this trailer and you've ever played Super Metroid, you'd be like, hang on a second. Because <laughs> it's pretty much Super Metroid. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty much a Metroid game. A 2D platformer Metroid. What if Samus was a cat? But what if Samus was a cat? That doesn't, it's not, it doesn't talk. I mean, it, like, it meows and can communicate with its owner. I mean, Samus has a bad time when she dies, so, like, That's also very... pretty mute, honestly. Yeah, true, actually. Yeah, yeah, very good time. Um, a very good point. Uh, but, so you're a little cat. The basic setup of the game is, um, your ship crashes on a, on a, on this weird planet. Are you chasing a distress signal? You might be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, look, it's super, it, it, it is very Metroid vibes. I don't care, I'm so starved for Metroid games. It's it's not even Metroid vibes, it is, it's just that. And, and it knows, the best part is that it knows that, and it does some things that are a little bit interesting that like to sort of mix it up. But it it wears the fact that it is a Metroid clone on its sleeve. Um, I'm gonna go with Samus Returns because that's that's basically how first year I've been for a Metroid game. Samus, was that it wasn't 20, last year, 2017. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah. god. <laughs> yeah, because it was revealed at E3 2017. Yeah, and it came Need out in September. Metroids. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I honestly think like you could do you could do a lot worse for like I think like the 13 bucks that this game is. Um, it's very short. Um, but yeah, you crash land on this planet. Uh, the pilot of the ship gets like trapped in the ship and can't move, and basically sends his cat out to go and explore the planet. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's 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 the setup. So, and you go out just as the cat with nothing else, and you're running along. Um, and basically, when you're in cat form, you if you get hit once by anything, you're dead. It's like a one hit kill. Makes sense. You're um, a cat, but you can swim. So if there's water, you can generally navigate water, but eventually you'll find um, like a powered up suit um, that has very big puffy round shoulders um, that totally doesn't look like a very suit whatsoever. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, it does. If you've ever seen anything <laughs> from it, it looks like, yeah, it's their own little spin on it. But instead of having like Samus's helmet, it's like a little bubble where there's a cat head that pops up and it's fucking adorable. Um, yeah, so, oh, that's right, that's the name of the, the, the cat's name is Kiki as well. So Kiki goes out to explore, and yeah, it's basically a Metroid, Metro game. You go through, you find health packs to, like, get your health up, you find items, like, um, to, to the, uh, equipped to the suit. Um, the cool thing about the suit is that you can jump in and out of that at will, so there are parts of the game where you will need to get out of the suit, to either swim underwater or get through a very small crack in the wall. Um, so, and, and there's an entire area where um, it's all air vents. So the suit can't make it down through certain parts. So you've okay. got to get out of the suit. Of course. And, and put yourself in danger. Vents. Yep, basically. Um, you know, and that's like two or three areas in. So it's like you've got a handle on the game. It's like, all right, cool. Now we're taking away your suit. Um the cool thing is, though, if you do lose your suit or you have to leave it behind, if you get to a, like, the save pods, which are, that it's just, I cannot stress this enough, that it is just Metroid. Like, you stand on the middle of it and then the tube goes up around you and it goes Amazing. game saved. It's it's just Metroid. Um, 
And well, when you do that, you if you're out of your like the suit, you get it back there. It comes back to you there. So, yeah. okay. so th- those levels where you have to like navigate through like those like tight corridors and things like that. Um, it, uh, when you get to it, there's uh, out the other side of it. There's usually a save point, so you can get your thing back. Um, there's boss fights all the way through it as well. Um, there is an underlying story that actually has, there is a true ending to the game that I didn't get because I missed one thing or one or two things. Um, I'm disappointed. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. And I picked it up on a whim because I saw the trailer and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm down for this. This looks great. It's got cat. I get, it's another one of those games that's very reasonably priced. Absolutely. Like this is, this is a steal at full price. I think it's like $13 and it's not long. It's probably maybe like four or five hours, maybe even less if you're like really in tune to it. Um, but I was exploring everything, trying to get everything and, and get all the health p- pickups and stuff like that. Um, Cause you unlock, um, it's all black and white as well. It very reminiscent of uh, if you've ever played Downwell uh, on mobile or it's on everything now, I think, but all, all minute. yeah, all minute as well. Yeah. Those two games. Um, I'm fine. It is, and I'm, I, that is very tempting. I keep looking at Minute to, to buy on Switch. I think it's in my wish list. Um, and it's permanently 10% off as well because of the Devolver Digital discount, um, which is the best thing ever. Uh, but yeah, so it, it has like different color palettes you can unlock as well by getting cassette tapes throughout the world. So they're the collectibles. Can you get a Game Boy palette? Um, kind of, yes. Yeah. With like the greenish. Yeah, there's a few... There's all those types of different like palettes you can play cool. through, um, and uh, oh, there's another vehicle as well that you get. There's a, so obviously you can't swim in the suit, but there are parts where there are enemies underwater that you'll need to either try and avoid or like fight against. And for those situations, they'll usually give you a little submarine, so you get like a little kitty submarine that you fly that you swim around in, and uh, everything's related this week weirdly. Yeah, wow, it's all coming together. So it's all all linked. Um, connected <laughs> but uh it's i i honestly had a ball with it it's got some pretty funny writing in it as well because obviously that the pilot is still trying to is communicating with the cat and I, I think he can understand i think that's related to the story as well without giving anything away but <clears throat> um yeah like obviously he's like you know you're doing so well i believe in you you've just got to go climb through these air vents and then get this little thing and don't land on the spikes you can do it, and then like cuts <laughs> off. It's yeah, and the cat's just like meow. Um, classic cat. Yeah, Although if the cat's doing what it's told, that's not really a classic cat. At all. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is a very obedient cat, which is, I guess, the fantasy side of things in this well, I game. Guess, well, it's obedient as as you want to be. I guess you have the option to go explore, right? Oh yeah, that's true. You can yeah, like much like an actual cat. You can. It's like no, nah, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that eventually. Yeah, but I'll I'll do it later. Um, yeah, you'll come into other, there are other NPCs in the game and things as well, but, um, it's got a really fun storyline. I really like it. I think it's for like a four or five hour experience. I highly recommend it. It's especially if you like Metroid games. I'll put it on my wish list. (laughs) I don't say Metroidvania either. I specifically say Metroid games because it is just, it's just Metroid. And it knows it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with with the Metroidvania tag. I would mm-hmm. only include Vania if it has stats and equipment. Okay. Yep. Right? That's fair. Yeah. Because like, let's be real here. If you want to, if you're talking about Castlevania, the Vania part of that is that it's like, hey, what if you could pick up weapons and equip them, and you yep. add stats and you leveled up? 
yeah, like, and abilities. And, yeah, apart yeah. from that, like you have a world design. It's, it's Metroid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in terms of this game, it's just it's it just knows it. It's constantly weak, weak, nudge, nudge, nudging you at the whole thing. But I didn't find it. I mean, I have a pretty high tolerance for that. But it's um, it I didn't find it obnoxious either. It was almost like endearing in a way where there was like, look, we know. I mean, hey, you know. It, it helps that it sounds like it's a short experience. So like yeah. you never really have that time to get tired of it. And it's fast paced as well. Like the, the pacing of it's really good and it, it feels good to play as well. Um, like nice. jumping around. Uh, that's the other thing that Kiki can do as well. She can climb up walls. Nice. Um, you get, but yeah. Like much like Spider-Ball. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Well, it's going. It's going on my wish list as soon as we finish recording. Dude, right. you gotta play it, man. You're gonna love it. You're gonna. You're gonna really get a good kick oh. out of it. My switch uh. is just. I bought a bigger SD card for it just last <laughs> week. I'm yes. so thankful that I did. Yeah, I I did it ages ago, and I have not had to think about storage space oh, since then. It's been great. Um, and I haven't. I I've barely deleted anything off mine. Everything's just like ah, let's chuck it on there. It's fine. Granted, they're all indie games, which are like two gig at most. But anyway, um, all right, Karen, hit me with a big one. I want to hear about this because I have my copy coming in the mail, like right now. It's coming. Well, I'm, I'm really interested. So, mm. like I said earlier, I'm I'm not. I'm probably still maybe halfway through this game at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have been plugging away at Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night. Yes. I had to wait a week longer because I wanted to play it on Switch. Seems like the right choice, apart from. Some I was going to say, we'll, we'll clear the air immediately. Yep. It takes a hit. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. A lot of stuff in the game looks much rougher. Yep. There is definitely a bit of lag with the input. Okay. And some parts can be a bit framey and, you know, it's not perfect. But the developers, no. honestly, like they did respond and they are turning their focus basically to the Switch version. And I'll be deploying a bunch of small patches. Instead I did of like, like making people waiting for a big patch. I did like that where it's like yes. we're going to take thing one, like one or two things at a time and just roll them out. I'm like that's a great idea. Yeah, because yeah. here's my first piece of advice to you, Joel. When you get your copy of a game, mm-hmm. go into the option unless the patch is out by then. Mm-hmm. Go into your options and switch off HD Rumble. <laughs> oh really? When you are on low health, it rumbles oh, no. so obnoxiously. It's very, especially in handheld, it's really bad. Oh, that's not good. I get, like, it's, this was, good, it's a good idea, but no. Yeah. It was the first thing that they, that they said they were clearing up when they were they wrote their, their tweet for the, the patches they were deploying. It's like, we we have heard about the HD Rumble thing, and we are addressing that in the very first patch. I'm like, thank you. Cool. Because HD Rumble's cool, but I haven't got to experience it, because when I'm on low health, I, just want, I don't want that low rumble. Again, in handheld mode, just shaking my entire switch. <laughs> yeah, just leaving your hands vibrating like jelly afterwards. And yeah. I can only imagine just killing the battery, right? I guess. I don't, I, I yeah. Don't know what the battery drain on HD Rumble's like, but yeah. I have to imagine that it demands a bit more of the Joy Cons. But either way, uh, it sounds like it would. It. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Noted. Thank you. But apart from that, and this is where the conversation gets interesting because you have no experience with what I'm about to say. Yes. This game is basically a Symphony of the Night sequel. Like, essentially, it is. if you like Symphony of the Night, then you will probably like this game. It is that. Uh, <laughs> a spiritual exactly that. sequel, yeah. So cool. the setting is, of course... Uh, and what I will actually say as well, did you play uh, Curse of the Moon, Joel? I didn't, but I was wondering, should I? 
What I will say is that playing Curse of the Moon actually pays off in a kind of cool way with this game. Okay. Curse of the Moon is, of course, the it was a Kickstarter goal. So if you basically if you backed the game at a certain tier, you got it as well. But otherwise, you can buy it separately. Mm-hmm. Ritual of the Night is the Bloodstained that sort of plays like the classic Castlevanias, where it goes through stages rather than the big castle that you explore. Yeah. It's been cool playing Ritual of the Night and encountering bosses and encountering characters and being like, oh, it's that that cre- that boss from the first game or that character that I played as. Like, because kind of cool. I did look at that. I I boot up my when I realized how long I was going to have to wait for my copy to arrive. I was like, fuck, I was really like fired up to play something like that this week. And I was like, yeah, look, it's fun to decide. Maybe I should play like that. Curse of the Moon first. Uh, but, uh, so that's interesting to hear that it does pay off by paying those. Because it's pretty cheap as well. Yeah, yeah, that one is definitely cheap. Because again, it, uh, it's like 12 bucks or something. Yeah. It is a, it is like Castlevania 1. It's important to emphasize that. You'll be okay. playing through stages, fighting bosses. It's quite hard, but obviously that comes with the, with the territory. Right. Uh, and yeah, it just... it. It adds something going into Ritual of the Night when you start seeing names or bosses pop up and you're like, I recognize that character. I okay. played as you and now this is happening. It's it's just interesting. It adds some, like some nice depth. World to building. It. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I didn't expect it out of the game. Awesome. Okay. Uh, but anyway, to get into the actual game discussion. Yes. It is definitely... It, ha- it is Symphony of the Night in the sense that the music's there. It's that classic music you expect from these sort of games like loud gothic sort of orchestra stuff then the guitar kicks in in some of the tracks and you're just like this is castlevania symphony of the night and i've missed it <laughs> and i've needed it konami refused to give it to me yeah well but Iga has taken it upon himself to deliver this and it's been a long time coming but kickstarter was actually back in 2015 i think right so we've been waiting yeah, a little Jesus, bit yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm happy to say that honestly at the bare minimum if you backed it because you wanted to play a game like that again, that is exactly... Or if, if you were hoping it w- would succeed because you liked Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. then you will like it. It is good. That seems to be the general consensus I've heard yeah. from a lot of people, yeah. It does lose a bit. Honestly, being 3D, like 2.5D, like... Um, oh, can't think of any of those other games now. <laughs> Shadow Complex is the one that I immediately think of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah where basically, you move it on a 2D plane, but the backgrounds and environments are 3D. There are some parts where the world twists. Okay. And sometimes my brain has to process that as I'm looking at this, <laughs> at this 2D map. I'm like, okay, that part, I twist around, oh, I guess. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep, it's that makes displayed sense. as a 2D plane. So sometimes I forget about that, and it, it just warps my mind a little bit. But yeah, I... I do sort of miss the sprite stuff from Symphony and like Aria of Sorrow, Dawn of Sorrow, all those DS ones as well as the PS1 game. Right. Uh, again, on Switch especially, I think it's partially because it is a lot lower in quality. Okay. Uh, I, have, I haven't I have obviously played the PS4 version, but I have seen some videos and some comparisons and yeah, the, the difference is there. You, you, you'll probably feel it when you're playing it, but... I am one of those people that's fine with that. If the trade-off is I can play it in bed, if I can play it yes. in handheld mode, like I'm fine with it. That's exactly why I wanted it for yeah. as well. And exactly. it sounds like the the devs are f- working on fixing things. I, obviously, the quality probably won't improve drastically, but like... Yeah, no, no. As long as it runs a bit smoother, and yeah. maybe just smooth out some... Because some of the textures and... St- when they get... In, like, the, the game is very talky in the front half. Yeah. Lots of dialogue. Right. And sometimes the character models you sort of look at and you're like, oh, you look a little a little bit gross. 
Well, that's the thing too. You said it came out 2015. Like they probably weren't expecting to develop it for the Switch no. at the time. It's no, kind it of wasn't. that that whole like maybe oh maybe we'll put this on the Wii U like, and then having to scrap that and start again. I'm trying to look up and see if it was even planned for Wii U, but either way, yeah, the mm. Switch was it's very late into the game. <laughs> I mean, they were developing it for the Vita, so I'm pretty sure they still shipped Vita. Uh, oh no, they no. didn't, did they? I think the Vita got the axe it did get the axe so i'm w- wondering maybe if like anything left over from the vita version was mashed together for the switch version maybe maybe yeah but uh but yeah so that's that's a good place to start the discussion very talky of a start a bit more so than i thought it would be uh it is all voice active which is kind of nice some some voices you'll recognize okay in particular the voice of zangetsu who is actually a character you play as in, in Curse of the Moon, is voiced by David Hayter. Which is fucking great. And he's just doing the Snake voice, and I'm cool. here for it. I've, cool. I've missed Snake, so it was hey. nice hearing him again. He's in the country right now. I know. He's here, and so is Donna Burke. Donna Burke, yep. Uh, they didn't even... Over in Perth. Just, yep. Come to Melbourne. Do a Metal yep. Gear concert. I'll, I'll, I'll try to pay you... Entirely out of like that entire concert, I'll try to pay you from my wallet. I, just, I want that to happen. You I want was, a private concert? I, people can come if they want. I'll just <laughs> I'll try to fund it as best I can. Just do it. Yeah, I just want it so badly. But yeah, they are in the country right now. Yep. Um, yep. The main protagonist, uh, Marion, is actually voiced by who's a voice actor I hadn't really heard of before her last couple of games, but it's Erica Lindbeck. Ooh, that sounds familiar. You might recognize her as Futaba Sakura. Fuck yeah, that's or why I know in the, it. In the upcoming, upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake, she is the voice of Jessie. Ah, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, again, I wasn't really familiar with her, but after after those two games, she's now on my radar, and now she's in this, and it was, it was a pleasant surprise. It's cool. It seems like we're on this turning point now where we've got a lot of these like newish voice actors that have been giving, that have been, have been in the, they're obviously in the game for a while, but like... Have been given like leading roles in things that are starting to become like the next wave of like, yeah, yeah. Um, like we still um, have we still have the old guy. We you know we still have Nolan oh, North and Troy Baker and you know yeah. Laura Bailey. All those ones are still out there. They're working hard in that new Avengers game. Absolutely, but like it's, it's cool, cool to see seeing these new ones get a shot in these like high profile indie games. Getting these like cool, yeah. yeah I like well, that. I think it also helps that indie games are also at that point as well, right? Where yes. they can have especially these ones that go on. Uh, Kickstarter platforms, regardless of what you think of that as a as a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this isn't this isn't Eager's first foray into into Kickstarter games either, and it seems like this means to be seems to be the, the more successful of the two of them. I would say. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't we don't want to talk about the other. Wait, what, are you are you talking talking about my number nine? Yeah. That was Keiji Inafune. Uh, Ah, similar thing though. Like, so that was the Mega Man game of the Mega Man. Sorry, yeah, I get confused, man. That's fine. I thought, I thought, I thought thought Eager was involved somehow in there as well. You're on the same line though. Like, the reason he thought to do this was because he'd been getting lots of fan requests to do another Castlevania-style game. Yes. Saw the success of Mind Number Nine, and because they had because they had support, (laughs) but they the the like finances were like, look, we need to know the fans want it, so chose Kickstarter. Unlike Mighty Number no. Nine, I would say that Bloodstained has been mm. successful. Yeah, I think yeah, successful all the way through, right through to release, and then then some. Um, 
I think, yeah, I, all I've seen is like glowing reviews of it, just being like, yeah. if this is what, like, if this is what you came here for, then you're getting what you came here for. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, if you wanted to level a criticism at it, like, honestly, it doesn't bring anything new to the table, no. but at the same time, like, in the same way as Samus Returns was just like, what if it was a 2.5D Metroid after a long drought? Nothing, there was a couple of new bits and pieces, but really it was the same thing. It was just nice to have it. And it's the same thing here. I'm just happy to have a Castlevania game, not called Castlevania, of course, but it's here and I get to play it. And the thing is too, like how easy is it to get a copy, like a a relatively good looking copy of Symphony of the Night at this stage? If you have uh, Xbox One. Okay. All right. Next month, Games with Gold. Really? Has the the version that PlayStation never got, I think. It's like the HD version. Not super different, uh-huh. but it is a version of Symphony of Night with like achievements and stuff. And it's one of their okay. Games of Gold games next month. And I'm so jealous. I bought the the collection one that came to PS4. Yeah. It's okay. It's not perfect. The new cool. voice acting bums me out. <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm definitely going to tag that then. Cause yeah, if you've got a, if you've got live, like I fucking it. you fucking better believe I'm still shelling out for that, like a fucking Again, scrub. It's like the the next month's games with gold. I forget which part of the month it's in, but it's definitely coming. Um, cool. I'm. I need to change my gold, like my subscription over to the Game the Pass Ultimate. Ultimate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to be shelling out free money to Microsoft, you may as well use the better deal. Yeah, and like when 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 I get internet, I really want to check out the Outer Wilds. So. Yes, that's yeah. That's I'm planning on getting to that before the end of the year. (laughs) If I have internet, (laughs) 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 anyway. But yeah, Um, so yeah, ritual sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. It is good, and there was I was having a thought, right? And I don't think it's bad, but it, it is reminding me somewhat of why I like the tighter Metroidvanias. Okay. To, to belabor the point, honestly, to to compare to the perfect game, Super Metroid. <laughs> yes, of course. Like, that world is just big enough. Yep. And granted, the Castlevania games, like Symphony Night had it, and so does this, you do have warp points to bounce all over the place, but there are some points where I'm like, okay, where was that thing I needed to go to to do this with this new power? Like, the zones are pretty distinct. It right. took a while because i did as I mentioned to you before we started recording my first few hours was largely me forgetting i could interact with a certain object so i okay. spent nearly two or three hours just running around the castle going what do i do now <laughs> and then i was just like oh wait i can push things that have this particular like glowing block on it okay right all right i know now and since then i've just been blasting through the game no problems <laughs> it's not i mean maybe it's just because I'm a veteran of this sort of game. It hasn't been super tough. A couple of bosses... The bosses themselves seem more tanky than anything. Okay. Uh, they do have some pattern learning going on, but largely it's just like, hey, how much damage can you do before you jump over them and hit them again? Which is fine, you know? Right. Okay. But uh, uh, I'm very excited to to check it out when I'm... Hopefully my copy arrives this week. I believe it's, gonna, it's supposed to be in the next few days. Yeah, like a lot of the variety comes from the different... Um, weapon types there's a large selection of weapon types you've got oh, cool. you've got like piercing weapons like spears and rapiers you've got slashing like swords great swords um, okay. guns ammunition is a, is a like ranged combat aspect guns themselves operate on unlimited ammo but okay. there is a large variety of of 
specific bullet types that you can craft and put in your guns. That stuff is finite. You have to make sure you've got enough of that built. Okay. If you if you intend on doing it that way, which is kind of a shame because the guns seem fun, but I'm never going to craft all those bullets. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's like a secondary playthrough. Yeah. Like fucking uh, around with things. Yeah. In that same vein, there are bookcases littered throughout the, the castle that can teach you techniques. Okay. Uh, and they will be for certain weapon types. For example, I got one where if you press the Y button three times, if you're using like a rapier or something, you'll do like a, a multi-hit attack. That's fine. Cool. A couple of the inputs I can't get to work. I'm not sure if it's because I suck or because... And this right. is a thing I've been learning more and more in the last month or so. Right. Good God. I hate the D-pad on the Switch Pro Controller. Yeah. On the, on the Pro Controller. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's so finicky sometimes. In particular, in Mario Maker, it's been giving me all kinds of hell. Right. I forget, I forget what I was playing before this, but I think it was another game that used it pretty extensively. Oh, you know what? It's Necrodancer. Necrodancer oh, yeah. has been screwing me over hardcore, and in yeah. this as well with the inputs, I'm like, is it just the D-pad? I tried the joystick. It doesn't work, doesn't work either. I don't know. They're a cool yeah. idea, but I can't... Some of them I just can't do, and I'm not sure if I'm just bad. <laughs> Maybe I'm bad. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's yeah, a good try. I, I mean, because as I mentioned, there is some input lag, so maybe I've got to start accounting to that, which is tricky to do. I don't know. Do you think uh, does this game have any kind of like training mode, like that you could go into and? I mean, not really, but it's essentially the only thing that you lose when you do it in like one of these techniques is you lose some MP, so you can do it in the save rooms, okay. I guess, and you can just sort of practice it. Again, most of them I can pull off. It's just a couple. There's one that's like a quarter, so, like a you start in the down position on the joystick and swing it all the way counterclockwise to the front. And then you okay. press Y and it's meant to do like a attack, but I just can't do it. Okay. Interesting. Cause yeah, I, I, it would be cool if like, like something like this sort of seems like it would be cool to have like a combo training mode, kind of like Bayonetta or, yeah. um, I just think some of the inputs are more complicated than they need to be. Right. Okay. I don't know. That's just me, though. Maybe other people are doing it every time and I just suck. It's just one of those things that I've been trying to do more, but I just can't get it right. So I just default to my usual thing of just smacking the boss until they die. Yep. <laughs> Which has proven pretty effective. Okay. Well, hey, if it works for you, it works. Yeah. Why not? Uh, you also do have the ability to sort of like the GBA and DS ones to equip. Uh, instead of in, in those games, you equip souls, and this one it's shards that you can absorb into your body. It's got a set drop rate much like items so it's not a guarantee you'll get most of them but killing your way through a castle you're bound to get a decent selection yep and they give you access to all sorts of abilities there are ones you can activate by pressing x i think okay a whole bunch of different ones there's a directional one where you aim the right stick in like you know any direction and press the shoulder button um there's a passive one and then there is uh familiars of course as well Oh, cool. which if you played Symphony of the Night the best familiar to have was that little floating sword the best time to have that guy <laughs> following you around there's a similar one in this one where it's got a silver knight and he just hangs around me he can block damage or he can do damage depending on how he's feeling but yeah yeah. again a lot of this if you played Symphony of the Night and you enjoyed it then probably play Ritual of the Night because it's good okay if, um, if not bringing anything new but if we get another one after this, I think that's a good chance for that sort of stuff. Because more than anything, I believe this game was just proving that people still wanted it. Well, and there's a lot of post-launch stuff coming as well that I, yeah. I that's what sort of tipped me over the edge was um, seeing there's like a uh, like a roguelike mode. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, 
right. There is a hidden 8-bit area that I found the other day. Oh, it cool. kicked my ass, so I haven't gone back there yet. Right. I, also, I also accidentally finished the game at one point and got a game over. I guess I hadn't done enough work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beat the guy who was I found the I stumbled upon the guy who was the final boss and killed him. Had an ending cutscene and then the game was like, game over. Yeah, did, go right. go back, reload my save and keep exploring. I guess <laughs> there's a similar point like that in um in Katana Zero. You, oh nice. Yeah, there's a there's a, a choice you have to make, and if you make a choice, then it can, it's game over. But then you can reload and go back through. Yeah, which is interesting. But. Nice. Uh, no, I'm very excited to play it. I, I'm it's looking forward to it. satisfying, like filling out that map, watching the map percentage yeah. climb up. I just yep. Metroidvania's in my jam. Uh, I look. I think by proxy, by being friends with you, they are sort of son of my jam as well now, to a lesser extent, much lesser extent. But yeah, I do enjoy a good Metroidvania platformer. So looking forward to it. Well, maybe we might revisit this when. I've had well, a that's the thing, right? And... I'm interested because as you, I'm not. You haven't played Symphony of the Night? No, not at all. Did you play any of the GBA or DS ones? Like I have not played a Castlevania game. I... You know this, Kyron. Maybe I forgot, because this is shaking the foundations of my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have not played a Castlevania game. Even, like, even DS in the nope. dark days of a device we won't talk about? <laughs> nope. I somehow just didn't end up playing it. I don't know why, I just never played Castlevania. Not even like Portrait of Ruin with Charlotte Jonathan, Charlotte the, Jonathan. Nope, didn't play. Didn't I, my knowledge of my knowledge wow. of Castlevania comes from from yourself and our our group of friends, our close group of friends. That's what I know. Wow. Which I guess was probably why I haven't been as driven to watch the series as well. That's probably why. Wow, series is really good. Watch yeah. the series. Yeah, I should watch the series. Um. But yeah, that's why I'm like, it, but I'm, uh, I'm, sh- I'm shook. I'm shook. Yeah, I always wanted to, I just never did. But um, that's why I'm well, sort of now. Yeah, now so now I'm extra curious to see what you think because yeah, obviously having that history there might be allowing me to give this game some passes it shouldn't be getting. I don't know. I'm interested to hear your take on it when you get your copy. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's the reason why revisiting this discussion. Yeah, that's why. The other reason why I wanted to get it because I was like, on paper, I should like this, but we'll see how it goes when I actually get it into practice. So, yeah. Looking forward to, to, to diving back into that conversation maybe in a week or so. Well, now I think we're all caught up in our, our gaming habits from the last many, many weeks. Can I say, I'm, uh, I'm glad we didn't include Dope on Dope this week. <laughs> yeah, I, look, there wasn't a whole lot there. No. There's one story that I kind of wanted to touch on that might come up in... I uh, was definitely going to come up in these questions. There was honestly one that popped up this week that I thought would come up in questions, but didn't. Okay, interesting. Um, it's a Pokedex one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put it in the back pocket. Yeah, um, it'll still be relevant next week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but now I think we've got our quest log out of the way, che- checked all those boxes. It's time for us to round out the episode by checking in to the bonus round. Bonus round. Our bonus round is, of course, our question and answer segment of the show uh, where you, the listener, get to write into us and uh, with any thoughts, questions, games... Topics of conversation that you would like us to discuss on the show, and we are uh, we break them down here on air. It's actually kind of uh, sad this week, Joel. We've got a few, and we're going to handpick. We are going to handpick this week. So it's um, a, bum- it's a big episode sorry. as it is, unfortunately. Yeah, we're very sorry. We're going to save the other. Uh, we're going to do two this week, and uh, save the other couple for for next week. Um, and uh, yeah, because we feel like we want to give them the time 
that they deserve. Starting off, though, with a question from the one, the only, the man himself, Mr. Sean Kirkpatrick. Wonderful human being. Uh, got to go to a party at his place a couple of weekends ago. Um, it's quite enjoyable. It was a fun hats party for his birthday. Uh, I wore a pink flamingo. It was wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, we love Sean. Sean's done a, a whole bunch of work for us. Um, we swear to God he's going to be on the show. I mean... Based, based on the bet it. we have, it's looking... Well, I was going to say, I'm going to call it, but by the end of the year, he's going to be on the show. Let's, let's safe bet. say that. It's a safe yeah. bet right now. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm going to call it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we, we love Sean a lot, and he's been a, a big, big supporter of our show from Day Dot, and um, we love him for it. So thank you very much, Sean. But his question this week is... With Cadence of Hyrule dropping, what other existing franchises would you like to see in the rhythm ga- in this rhythm game format? Um, so I don't know whether he's specifically referring to the Cadence of Hyrule format. I or, assume he just means just like a, rhythm game is as a rhythm game. Yeah, that's how yeah. I'm taking it. Yeah, no, I can take it that way. Uh, short answer for that question from me is all of them, um, yeah, because man. I want more rhythm games. Video game music so. is so good and. Rhythm yeah. games really let you enjoy it. So, I mean, obviously, absolutely. every single one would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I, I believe you've got you've got something locked and loaded there, Karen. I do. And I have, I will say at the top, I have two that I already was gifted by Atlas and Square Enix. So I'm spoiled, honestly. Very true. I got yeah. three Persona dancing games mm-hmm. and an amazing uh, rhythm game from Square Enix on 3DS called The Eight Rhythm for Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good. If you're uh, lucky enough to be in Japan, you can play an arcade version of it as well. Yeah, it's also on, on was on mobile. I'm not sure if it's still there. Anyway, yeah, I think yeah. but you buy the songs, which is why I was reluctant. That's right. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So my answer, honestly, and it was one of those ones where I haven't really played much of the game that I'm going with, but it could be fun. My name's Kyle Morrison. I really like Metroid. <laughs> now, I I do accept the Metroid games don't always have to be Metroidvanias. I think it could be fun. To get like a bit trip runner style game. Oh, Kyron, yes, Gen. yes, Kyron, yeah, and especially with like the whole like cadence of Hyrule existing, exactly from a small indie. Get the yeah the bit trip runner studio Let's to go. do that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, Kyron, I'm in for that. <laughs> Ship it. And Let's now it. we we mourn because I don't know if we'll get it. But that, I don't know. <laughs> when I saw this question, I'm like, you know what, bit trip runner across Metroid. Let's do it. Yeah, I. That's a very, very, very good answer, Kyron. Uh I am down for that. That would be awesome. Um, I really should play more of the Bitfoot Runner games. So. I've always meant to. Like, I think I own yeah. a couple of them on Steam, and they seem really yeah, cool so. as far as like rhythm running platforming goes. I think I've picked up a couple in like humble bundles that I've bought over the years. <laughs> you have bought a lot of humble bundles, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love me some humble bundles because they are loaded chock a block with indie games. So sure are. Uh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good answer. Yeah, um, that was a, that was a, it. Immediately sprung to mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, the only thing I could think of from memory, maybe, uh, fuck it, like do like a Yakuza one. I I know it's already in the game, but just make it a standalone thing, like a small thing. Oh yeah, like the um, yeah. the karaoke stuff and the dancing stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like they actually do some interesting stuff with the rhythm game format. The karaoke stuff is pretty standard. But the dancing stuff is actually 
It's interesting. I, I haven't I haven't really seen that in other games. It, it it's got its own mechanics. It that does. I mean, are really interesting. If nothing else, the Yakuza games are chock a block with interesting little mechanics. Yeah, in their true. various mini games, and it's so cool. Very true. That's a. I mean, that's a game that released recently that I would hope. I would like to get to eventually because I hear really good things about it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Judgment, I've I've heard really good things. One day. Yeah, one day. One day I'll get there. One day I'll finish Yakuza 0 as well. Do um, it, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Good God. Literally, my copy is sitting next to me on my desk here. I can see it right now. That's why it came to mind because I was like, oh, Yakuza. Oh, that actually would make sense. Um, And it's just crazy enough for it to work. Yeah, that could be fun. Like some sort of alternate universe where like they solve all their problems via dance, dance battles. Yeah, I'm down. Marjorie would be I'm down. Fuck it. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's do that. Kiryu Chan. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is I just I know it came back recently, but I just and it didn't work. But I just like I just want more Guitar Hero. I just like remaster like put out a bundle with all the classic Guitar Hero games. Oh, God. I know that would be a nightmare licensing-wise. This yes. would bankrupt Activision. Yes. Yes, and that's saying it, something. It would be the um, last game they ever make, or ever publish. You know what? I'm kind of okay with that. It's fun. <laughs> because... I used to agree, but they also gave me Sekiro, so I'm sort of sympathetic yeah, to Activision okay. at the moment. But, like, I do get what, what, what you mean, though. Like, it, we discussed it earlier. Like, Guitar Hero mm-hmm. and Rock Band being gone they both tried comebacks this gen and they both failed yep, yep. unfortunately so um on the bright just, side like the, like rock band is still playable didn't they like switch off a large part of guitar hero oh yeah yeah the guitar hero live which is like like the, the live the service, which is, <laughs> yeah which is like the the video channel basically that was like a, a music channel yeah that you could play different it's genres such a bummer. Stuff, yeah but you can definitely still play Rock Band because I have recently. So yeah, it's a good um, game. It's a good game. I bought it. It's and I enjoyed a solid week of it. And then yeah, mm. it's just hard for us all to get together to play it to really enjoy it. Like if you're not a crazy person like me that enjoys playing that stuff solo, but that, it's it's partly that and just my desire to keep buying songs, but also realizing that now it's yep. not as financially responsible. Yeah, nah. Not nah, like those we old were... days when we used to gather at my house and be like, let's buy $10 <laughs> for the songs. Let's just do it. Yeah, and I feel really bad because it was just myself and our friend Ben just sitting there just going, now buy this song. Now do this one. Get this one. Yeah, cool. And you're like, cool, I'm just going to throw this money away like... <laughs> on shit. It was, it like... was worth it for the moments we got to play, make Ben play like a Lady Gaga song. Yeah, very true. Yeah, we got Sorry, some good ben. moments out of it. Yeah, it was worth the... It was fun. I have no regrets. Like... And when yeah. we went, when Rock Band Four came out, a lot of it was compatible, so that was good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they really thought ahead with that stuff. But um, rip. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I really like. I want like the Devolver are crazy enough to maybe do something like this. Have we got a Devolver rhythm style game yet? I mean, I know that it's hard to say because they're a publisher, so it's not like they make the games. Yeah, but... no, but. Okay. They did release during E3, they released their, the, the Devolver bootleg. <laughs> yeah, the bootleg Which I still <laughs> really want to check out, because apparently it's a lot of fun. Um, and, and, like, it's really great if you've played some of those games, which for the most part I think I've played a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, taking, like, doing, like, actually, you know what? Making, like, a Hotline Miami cross Crypt of the Necrodancer game. That could be cool, because those uh, Hotline Miami soundtracks are so good. Exactly. And they are both like top down. They both have very like pixel art sort of vibe. Um, and they both have really good soundtracks. And so. it, would be, it would be an interesting way to 
to because obviously Hotline Miami isn't a roguelike. It would be interesting to put that spin on Hotline Miami, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it would be really cool. Like you yeah. know, picking up weapons, having it like you know you could have it as like maybe not the the default difficulty, but you could have like our one hit and you're dead difficulty to keep like that Hotline like Miami mode, I guess you could call it or something like that. Yeah, you could you could easily incorporate like more than one hit to death with like armor and stuff. Mm. And I don't think it's too far. It's not too much of a stretch either. I think not really. Yeah. Um, but you could even do it as like a devolver rhythm game of some description with like because a lot of those devolver games have really great soundtracks. It's true. This um, is true. Yeah, chuck all those in there. Put some sort of gimmick into it. Uh, Ship it. Yeah, exactly. They're really great at doing. But that's one more rhythm games, man. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I the I think if we're gonna get rhythm games, it is from those the smaller indie teams now. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 sadly, yes, but like also in a way that's good because they've yeah. got free reign to do crazy stuff. Like, who would have greenlit a like a game like Crypt of the Necrodancer back in the day? Like, at a oh yeah, look, even I, a double A studio. Like, it's it's yeah, completely um, agree. I just again, that's why I'm spoiled already by having a really cool trilogy of Persona dancing games. That's true. Because I, lo- yeah. I, I love, if it's about the music, I just love those tracks so much. And it's also why I love the 8 Rhythm on, on the DS and stuff. Yeah. Just like having those songs and also just putting a fun twist gameplay-wise on them is why. Yeah. But yeah, obviously the smaller ones are also great. As much as I am bad at Crypt of a Necrodancer, it's fantastic. The soundtrack is on Spotify and I frequently listen to it. Yeah, it's great. Um, also, I just want some more original stuff. Like, yeah. give me some yeah. more original rhythm games. Like, Go go nuts! That's why we got Crypt of the Necrodancer, and then subsequently Cadence of Hyrule. So, so can't um, believe Cadence of Hyrule exists. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy, but uh, it exists, and it's very very good. Uh, cool. But thank you, Sean, good for question. your question. It was a really good question. Very hit, touching. Uh, you know, touching my heartstrings. There, you know, pandering to the judges here <laughs> very much. So, um, but yeah, cool. Uh, our final question this week comes from uh, the aforementioned in the episode, Mr. Broderick Gordes, wonderful friend of the show, uh, also co-host of the Hunting Seasons podcast. Uh, wonderful, wonderful podcast. If you love television shows or you like, if, if you've got a specific TV show that uh, they've done an episode on, I, it, I highly recommend watching, uh, listening and hearing their take on, on things because you might learn some stuff. Very insightful. Really cool. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to be doing Stranger Things. I assume so. I assume so. But let's not put that uh, pressure on them. Let's not do it. Pardon? Yeah, no, no pressure. No pressure. They do it. They do it. They do it. Exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, they've got some really great stuff. Uh, they've recently reformatted their podcast as well um, to a really great format. Um, it's really interesting to see. Uh, doing great work over there. But Broad says it was this week. E3 seems to be changing quite rapidly to the point where some think it might not be around for much longer. What is the upside of E3 going the way of the Dodo? So, it's, uh, it's a big and it's a bit of a bit of a juicy one, that one. And uh, a bit of a hot-button topic at the moment as well. I mean, I mean, if we're being critical, every every after every E3, this is the question yeah. that is asked. It's true, especially in the last few years. Yes. This year especially feels like it feel, a lot of people felt that uh, that sting of the way it's being run at the moment. Um, 
one one in particular that I wanted to bring up in this in this this question, which is um, uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, got banned from E three last week. <clears throat> um, which I know you know there's, there might be some people out there that are like, thank fuck. Uh, even he addressed that himself. He's like, I know people out there don't like me. I didn't think it was this bad. Um, but yeah, there's a whole uh, Kind of Funny ga- um, Games Daily episode about it. Uh, it's since been resolved. It was resolved um, in the episode, it's worth mentioning. Yes. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, and, but, but yeah, they, there were the reasons around why it happened are a little bit sketchy. Uh, but it also opened up, like, the conversation from uh, Andrea and Renee, who, not one to shy away from a topic of conversation that might be controversial. Uh, well, not even controversial, but, like, like hard-hitting. She's just like, no, fuck this. This is bullshit. Well, yeah, well, because the, 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 the heart of discussion, when it comes down to it, is the cost of badges and yeah. how you pay for badges. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know this was a thing, but, like, you know, they apply. obviously can apply for media and they get allocated a certain amount of badges. But recently, apparently, it's like you get two and then you've got to pay for the rest, depending on the size of your organisation. And I'm not saying that kind of funny are a big like you know a big boy but i mean they're they're not one to shy away from things as like far as, as far as like video game patreons go they're pretty up there and it does absolutely. make me wonder how like if the allies had this did they have to because well, a thing. lot of them went to e3 that's what i was wondering when this when this got brought up that the, the fact that yeah they got allocated uh, kind of funny got allocated too and then had to pay the rest which were 999 US dollars basically the cost of a badge for E3 I it's ridiculous and it makes me wonder about those people going as public right to queue for maybe a game I want it's insane to me adding adding the public stuff I think is one of the biggest parts of where E3 is sort of falling apart I've heard plenty of people who went to this year's E3 talking about just the vendors that was selling stuff there. That's we- mm-hmm. I talked to you and chat about this and I know it's a different show, but it packs whenever I go there and not so much like obviously the tabletop area is fine. You know, that's fine. You can, mm-hmm. but like when you're on the show floor, you're like walking from one publisher to another. And then you walk past this place selling computer stuff. You're like, nah, man, again, different sh- shows, but more so in Eve three, that just, weeds me out because it's a trade show obviously that's becoming less and less of a thing now yeah like at but, e3 i think that the, the the one that gets me is selling all the the trinkety yeah. collector stuff like and yeah. like t-shirts and things like that it's you know i get at packs i i see the value in having oh yeah i'm just saying i'm not just saying i'm not just saying this as someone who has partaken in that well, no, but like i bought like i'm staring at my keyboard and my yeah. mouse that i'm both bought from PAX. The, like, the reason it's... I give PAX a pass is, again, it's not a trade show, right? It's no, a, absolutely but not. But E3, well, it, it was a trade show, and it's just a thing that's it's becoming less and less of, and, and then when... its relevance is moot at that point. Exactly, because it starts to, like, impair and, and impede on the people who are from the industry that are going there to do their job. Yes. If that's, if that's going to be impeded by having public days or other stuff happening. And then, you know, that's going to roll back onto developers that are just like, well, fuck it. We're not going to go this year. Like, I mean, Sony pulling out was a big deal. And I think at first a lot of people were like, well, that was a bit of a silly move, but was it (laughs) like, 
Was I mean, it a no, bad because move? They have they in the end, like it's funny because Sony pulled out and was like, "Oh, it's such a big deal." I'm like, "Well, did they really?" Because they have all the marketing rights on Seven Remake, and that was the biggest game at the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and like, also, everyone was talking about Sony anyway. And also, too, uh, like, you got to think about the fact that they didn't have really anything to show. No, they would have been showing really. the same stuff. It was a waste of money for them. And also, I like, I think Sean Layden's comments about E3 as a show are kind of like relevant. They, 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 there is some weight to those those comments about it being like not really worthwhile going to as a publisher. Um, there are some situations where it's weird though, right? Because yeah, Death Stranding comes out in November. Yeah, I don't know what that game is, and they're like, "Hey, pre-order now." I'm like, "What is this game?" But that's the thing; they know everyone like us are fucking shills, and they're gonna exactly, buy that game anyway, bro, right? That's it. That's another so... part of the the dirty part of industry. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to pre-order and buy that game, but I would like to okay. have a journo go hands-on with it so I know what it is. Absolutely. And that's um, the sort of stuff that E3 was useful for, but... And, like, maybe at enough... Like, here's the thing. Maybe if it wasn't public, maybe Sony would have showed up, you know? When it's yeah. when it was only really industry folk going hands-on with their games. But more and more, you see these things, like how Borderlands did it. Uh, even yeah. back in the day, Konami did it with Metal Gear Solid Five. They flew... They yeah. just had journalists come out to them play Metal Gear Solid 5 for a day and then leave. Like that's the sort yep. of stuff that's just going to become more the norm. I agree. Um I think it's interesting though that seeing like how uh the 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 ESA have dealt with like the, they're trying to adapt obviously. So they they they're looking poorly. at other <laughs> but yeah, poorly because they looked at something like a PAX and I'm not saying that PAX is a poor show. It's I a think different it's show. It's a different show, and it it suits the needs of the show that it's trying to be. Um, but I feel like instead of maybe the ESA have looked at PAX as, as a like a format for a show compared to say TGS Gamescom, where they do have that public day, where it's like this is the day for the public to come and play things, and then the rest of it it is a business show. It is here for people to come and do their jobs. So that people like us can do our jobs, I guess, and take their jobs and like put our spin on it. But you know what I mean, like, so that we can actually, as a general public, and also can find out about, um, you know, information that we need to find out about in these situations because we're interested in that industry. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee that like nearly one hundred percent of those badges they sell to the public are sold on the allure of going to E three. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's, the, it's, it's like a, the holy grail, but yeah. now it's made attainable to anyone. It's like, yeah. is it really that worthwhile anymore? I could just go to PAX instead. Well, because then you get the problem of, well, everyone's going to go to because yeah. they want to play these new release games, and then the lines. Like again, I can only compare to what I've experienced at PAX. But there are, there are days at PAX like when I wanted to play Resident Evil Two last year. It's like, cool. Well, that's this is what I'm doing today. <laughs> And yeah, exactly. Imagine I can't. I I could probably Google the cost of a public badge right now for E3, but I just for the life of me, I don't get it. Right? I no. just I think E3. It's tough because its image, it, its origins as a trade show is where it's more mythical. You can go and look up those old YouTube videos of all those old how E3 used to be. Right? Yeah. You can even you, we 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 had a night when you uh, a year uh, probably a year or so ago when you were staying with us where we uh, um we watched a whole bunch of those old press conferences, those old like Nintendo ones yeah. that in like this cramped ballroom yep. that like at, at a hotel somewhere. Uh huh. Like you can uh, watch. Me, it, I think it's the 2001 Nintendo one where they had like 
Metroid Prime, Wind Waker, all these games stacked yeah. on top of one another, and it's just so different to how they look now. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, I love the flash and I love the spectacle of things. But, I, I mean, Nintendo really hit it on the head with by doing directs, and you've only got to look at other people who are doing that now. And that's the way that, like, Nintendo are... I mean, Sony are clearly aping that with their state of play stuff. Like, it's... Yeah. It's it's not even it's they they clearly just like yeah look that works for Nintendo maybe we'll give that a shot. Let's be real, Sony. I mean, the only reason your second one was good was because of that seven remake trailer. Yeah, but I mean, kudos to them for just sort of seeing a more financially viable way of doing things that still is relevant in this day and age. Thanks to, to um, Nintendo. <laughs> thanks to Nintendo, hundred percent. I'm not saying I'm not trying to give Sony a pass by saying that. Yeah, but I mean, if this was the way that things were going to go, I wouldn't be super opposed to it. To be honest, it would be a bummer losing the biggest week of gaming. True, but if it's going to be to the point where the people that I like to watch and hear their impressions are are getting in, like their job is being impaired by it being a public show, I yeah. I mean, again, the, the ESA is refocusing to to do the public stuff. Is if it, there's got to be better ways, right? Because I can. I can only imagine how much it costs to host a show like that. Yeah. And then you've got publishers pulling out, which then I guess I've got to find the money elsewhere. And then it all just falls apart. Yep. The wheels just fall off a wagon. And they, they, they want to try and find that. They need to try and find that healthy balance, that, that middle ground. That's like still got a spectacle and flash that, you know, people like us sit and go, maybe one day we could go to E3. Like, but also not making it, so it's like, well, you can. You're just going to pay for it. Never forget like, that well, really that's... bad E3 where it was in a hotel and they had rooms you had to go to and it was just a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Look, I know. And, and there's the one that was in the, the air, aircraft hangar out in... in, in um, oh, wow, yeah. In, Ana- like, Anaheim, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, no, California or something. Yeah, oh. it was, like, really hot and it was not good. Like, there were, there's been a couple of missteps, but at least they tried something. And I guess... Kudos to them for trying to make that dream come a, a real, be a reality for people, but I just don't think it's working. I yeah, really again, don't. the idea situation is having. I mean, well, I guess again, you've seen other publishers doing it. Where they get people to come across to their events. Yeah, which I guess is fine if you're in America. Yep, but just screws over everyone else. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, uh the ESA decide to do... I mean, next year will just be this again, really. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Maybe one more person will pull out. See, so I think the other reason this discussion is so, like, heavy this year is just because this year's E3 just sort of came and went because we're in that... Yeah. That pre-next-gen E3 where no one's willing to talk about their new consoles, which is the other reason, no doubt, Sony didn't show up because what they're going to show the same games they had and that's it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, then early next year, they're going to do what any smart platform holder does and have their own event where they reveal their new console, where they, well, that's the, the conversation's yeah, that's, only on them. That's the thing. Sony's been doing that, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sony like, did it, Nintendo did it, and Xbox did it with their new consoles. Yeah, but not even with their new consoles, but, like, Sony do that with, as as a platform holder, they do that, they were doing that with PSX. Oh, yeah, that was, they were okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, we got some cool stuff out of that, and it was still exciting that week. That was still a fun weekend of like Game Awards, PSX, like that. Those, 
they went hand in hand together really well. So I would I, big... honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if PSX is why they didn't show up to E3 because there was that really bad PSX where nothing yeah. happened and they were like, you know what, we could skip, we could skip a show this year. Yep, yep, yep. Until they've really got something to to really show, and I think it was probably a good idea. Really, it it felt noticeable on the show floor from all the videos that I saw of that, which is oh, like yeah, that giant fake. gaping holes yeah. of yeah. It was you know not great, but I mean yeah, it's really interesting to see where this is going to go in the future. I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, we'll that's be not there. We'll... Too much credit. They are of the three the most arrogant platform holder. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I'm not saying that they're, they're doing things, all things right, but I'm at just the, saying... the goodness that, of their hearts. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. They've still got some shit to, to pick up in the meantime, but I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. It oh, felt sure. weird. It felt weird for a multitude of reasons of it being a transitional E3, but it just didn't have anything else to back it up with. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, weird. Weird times. Wouldn't be surprised if if they're at, like, I I would hope that they are severely thinking about the way they're doing things. But, you know, maybe I'm giving too much faith in people. It's tough not having ever been. Yeah, Uh, true. Because, I I mean, to be honest, the thing out of E3 that I pay the most attention to are the press conferences. Yeah, of course. then Then I watch people who talk about their time with the games afterwards. Yeah. So and my, my enjoyment is very passive in that sense. But that's the thing. They're usually industry people who oh, have yeah, appointments. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the problem and is they brought the public in. Exactly. And, and that's why, floor. you know, and hearing, like, I think people like um, Michael Huber and Brennan Jones from Easy Allies talking about, like, the idea of just walking past a booth and seeing, like, a game that didn't have many people playing yeah. it. And it's like, all right, I'll just go play that. Even that is not a thing anymore because... Yeah. Everyone's doing that now. Like, yeah. all the public are doing that. And it's like, okay, that's good for those publishers, those smaller those, those, those smaller devs that are wanting to showcase their game. But, like, I don't know. It just... Yeah. yeah. Look, the, the, the bottom line is that ESA really needs to sort of refocus how they run this, this event. They really do. Will, will they do it? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be immediate. Because they've probably got a contract on that place. I could yeah. I could Google it, but I assume there's a contract in place for at least a couple of years because that's how you, a lot of these things sort of happen. Yeah, that's um, true. I think it's yeah. I, I can't remember the exact date, but I think they've got it for a couple more years. Yeah, so, because contract. as soon as everyone starts doing their own thing, like you've you've already heard the starts of it, really. With talking about EA and Microsoft not being at E3 but being E3 adjacent. Mm-hmm. And it just can tr- yep. it just creates issues for people who are like want to go check that stuff out. Yeah, I oh man, listening to how EA ran their stuff this year, disaster. Yep. <laughs> yep. No one at that at that place knew what was going on. So nope. Nope. nope I don't know. Like it's such a weird thing because E three obviously has to change. And yeah, the fact that the fact of the matter is that like someone that like Greg Miller getting banned. For potentially having like a fraudulent badge being made, um, when clearly it like again they go into this in like the Games Daily episode, but like he was at the very last thing that was being filmed on the show floor on the last day at Gamespot, um, and he had his badge with him then because clearly he had to be there for that, um, and yeah, 
it's it's a whole debacle but it's been rectified now yeah, that parcel isn't a thing for me it's for it's for badge buying that gets me that's that was the thing that was interesting to hear that that, that side of things open up and i was again like, oh, I, I knew, okay i knew badges cost money yeah and obviously it's much easier if you're one of the big boys with ign or GameSpot. Mm-hmm. obviously they would have much more let's just say they, they, they find it much easier to get their hands on those badges yeah, but I think it's I, I think it's going to be very naive of the ESA to to oh, yeah. downplay Absolutely. some of these outlets like What's Good Games, like Kind of Funny, like um, Easy Allies, like those. And there's just the ones that I'm paying attention to and subscribe to. Well, there are so many out there. Again, it's funny because that's a that's a whole different dis- that's a second discussion that happens as a result of this, right? Because yeah. I don't know, I don't go to IGN or Gamespot anymore. No, like that's it. As because those much like how ESA has had to sort of change how E3 runs to get their money back, like mm-hmm. IGN and GameSpot have all this crap about TV and comics and movies. I'm like, oh, I just want game news. There's and game that's news. the thing. That's the thing, though. It's not crap because I think there is a, there is obviously a market there for it, and I think oh, I that a lot of people they want do that, go they want to it. The money from that market, much of like course. the ESA wants the money from the public. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you're but, right. So I, my I, point there, though, is that that people are going to these smaller groups that are focused, right? And they're paying them out of their pocket, regardless of how iffy sometimes Patreon can be with its last-minute changes to policy and stuff like that, which we've seen affect creators in the past. Yes. But people are sort of seeking out those things. Like, we both back Easy Allies. You back kind of funny. Like, yes, we we give our money to the outlets we care about. I, and Mm -hmm. I never, because they, they talk about the things I care about where when I go to an IGN or a GameSpot, there's just so much noise there. I'm, I'm more inclined to, to, to like, you know, vote with my wallet that way. Like I listen to on the pod, this is like not entirely games related, but it's a similar situation that like, uh, I listen to a lot of my brother and my brother and me with the McElroy brothers. And I've just started listening to the adventure zone. Um, they do a thing every year where they do a, the um because they're part of a network called Max Fun, uh, Maximum Fun. So they do a lot of they do a Max Fun drive every year where you can pledge at different levels. It's basically like their own in-house Patreon that they do for their whole network that is massive now because of the Max Fun drive that they do and the support that they have from their listeners, which is yeah, it's cool to see that that's the age that we're living in. But these smaller boutique yeah. things are able to have a massive platform and a massive voice to change people's lives or impact people's lives the way that they do, and that's great. Uh, and that people are willing to just go, "Cool, I'm going to vote back that way." But yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and, that, and that's and that's why it is foolish of the ESA to to not give to not take those smaller yeah. outlets as seriously as the big boys and charging a thousand dollars for a badge. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's insane. So yeah, obviously ESA really needs to look inside and see how they could run this show better. Yes. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they will immediately, but I guess it time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, I mean the next couple of, the next year next year's E3 will be very interesting. Yes, I agree. When that when things when there's things to be shown, like yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'll be I'm, I'm very curious to see next year's E3. If it changes, it should change. To answer the question, it should change. Maybe we should revisit this again in in a year's time to see. Do we even do we even answer the the question? Really, was what's the upside of E three going away with Dodo? Um, I don't know. Honestly. I I'm a big fan. Like I, I think I've sort of petered around the answer in, in in my responses to this so far. But like it's I I'm I'm a big fan of just waking up one day and just being like, oh cool, like 
And Nintendo's doing a direct in like a week's time. Great. Let's get hyped for it. Like, it's cool for us because then we can go and do an episode where we're like, what do we think we're going to see? Yeah. Um, the flip I side like of having that, that just I, spread out during the year instead of having it all concentrated in this one big ball of stress I've seen, and, I've seen, and nervousness. I've seen plenty of problems with Nintendo and their directs by going, hey, we're having a direct now. And then media people going, shit. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing well, stuff. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. But also, I just, I like that. Just being able to have like drip fed bits of information and, and like little bits of hype throughout the year um and don't get me wrong i love that the big flash and the big show and the big everything of e3 and the dream of e3 i guess but i don't know it just feels like the dream is crumbling away to see it feels like you know that the, the cult leader episode of the simpsons with the flying machine where he like flies away and it all crumbles apart and it's just the guy riding the the bike through the air it's just, it's just funny because the E3's been crumbling for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just been a slower version of that. Look, everyone's starting, but most people are starting to realize now and go, wait, hang on. <laughs> Is this really something that's supposed to be as revered? I don't know. Anyway, we could talk about this for a long time, I think, Kyra. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big hot button topic. We might even revisit it later in the year. I, I highly, like, I would highly think that we're going to rec- uh, revisit this in, uh, in 12 months time but, but every every year three yeah see, see you guys next year three for this discussion <laughs> exactly we'll, we'll drag this one back up again um probably then but uh but thank you brod for your question uh it was very very good uh and a, a good conversation to have i think yes um but i think kyron that is most well and truly an episode it certainly is yes. as always thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dialogue Options Podcast. We do appreciate if you've reached this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to keep up with us on the social medias, you can find us on a variety of places. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we are just Dialogue Options. Whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, whether it's Podbean, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, iTunes, if it's still there. I don't know. I don't I don't keep up with the Apple stuff, so I know that's going away yeah. soon. So I think it's gone. Okay. Like, I, Apple I, Podcasts. I think, but yeah, Apple Podcasts, is that a thing? Oh, sure. Why not? I don't know. I don't care about Apple. Why not? <laughs> yeah. um, feel free to chuck us a review or a share or a thumbs up on there. It, it definitely counts. Uh, as for our individual accounts, you can find me on Twitter, where I am at X. where most recently, let's go, let's pick a tweet out that's fun. Uh, you know what? It's not really relevant to gaming, but go and check out Lindsay Ellis's Game of Thrones video, part one of two parts. Yeah, it's a I, it's a forty yeah. minute ride of why I don't like what that show has become. Right. In That's part fair. one, I, it's a second. I part. saw you post that, and I, I I must check that out. It's essential viewing, especially if I. I'm so tired of talking about why I am so sad with that show's ending. I can just link that video now. Watch this. Yep. This is why. Okay. Uh, but yeah, where, where, where can I find you, Joel? Uh, you can find me at Jolly Mac, where uh, mine are all visual gags uh, from the things that I've retweeted. The last thing I retweeted is a video. It's a TikTok video of a cat, uh, but it's got like superimposed like little hands coming out from it playing a pan flute uh, or playing like a little flute, and it's it made me laugh so much last night. I was just in hysterics. Like every time it, it was looping as well. So I just kept watching it. It was that dangerous, like literal loop that I would fall into of just like, keep tell watching you what, it. once, once you know. we finish recording, go to my Twitter account and look at the cat video I retweeted. Cause it's amazing. Okay. Done. Um, but yeah, and I've also been watching a lot of like theme park videos. Uh, so I ended up buying uh, planet coaster. 
haven't been able to install it yet. No internet. But look forward to me talking about that in the future. Be lucky, been talking about Be lucky yeah. that you came out later. Otherwise, I would have been talking about how how Netflix has done bad things to a fantastic anime in the form oh, of Neon yeah. Genesis Evangelion. But you've you've skipped that. You, yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> the, 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 the waters have have settled on that situation. I haven't settled, but it's not the most recent thing I've been talking about. <laughs> no. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, but that's all I've been yeah, saying. Cool. All right, then. Well, as always, I'll let our wonderful outro take us out, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Player one. Player two. Prepare yourself. Dialogue Options Podcast.